You're in London. I am. Yeah. You're in the Trash Future studio right I now. I am. I really am. That's that's that is true. We can definitely say that. Have you conquered London's underground EDM scene entirely or are there like <laughs> is there at least one club you haven't raved at yet? I'm figuring mm. it out as I go along. Josh texted me on Thursday. I was kind of I was busy taking care of some stuff, but I gave him a bunch of recommendations mm-hmm. of like restaurants and stuff places to go. The next thing I know, I see on Josh's Instagram story that he's at the fucking Salmon and Ball pub <laughs> doing karaoke. <laughs> now, the Salmon and Ball pub is like the equivalent of going to karaoke at like fucking Satriali's pork store. Like I just right. I'm so I'm so like <laughs> it's like just a fucking geezer football pub. I, to be honest, I can't believe they even have have a karaoke well, night. That well, was my first. And and here's what I found too is yes, it's karaoke on Thursday nights, but only if there isn't a West Ham United game going on. If West hmm. Ham is playing, there is no karaoke. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast about footy scran. I'm the worst mm. of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. And yes, joining me here in the studio live from London, England, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. It is Northern Ireland? Northern. Northern, Northern, Northern Ireland. Uh, it is uh, the one, the only Milo Edwards. It's great to be here. <laughs> Why don't I just do the whole podcast in this kind of accent? <laughs> so I'm glad that you're both here because you must be very tired from attending coronation mm. yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those those crowns are heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heavy. Heavy. He- heavy and are, heavy. He- heavy are the heads that wear them as well. Heavy. Heavy, mm. heavy are they indeed? Yeah. Milo, what was your uh, what was your coronation experience? We didn't we didn't talk about that really. Uh yeah, I mean I just didn't, it just kind of passed me by really. Yeah. I mean we we watched mm. a bit of it this morning, but we okay. missed the procession, which is kind of the cool bit, and then it was just right. the stuff in the chapel, which was very boring. Um, and they also had Rishi Sunak, our, our supply teacher, prime minister, doing right. a doing a reading. <laughs> now, what did he what did he do? What did he read? Uh, something from the Bible. Yeah, you, <laughs> oh, would, you, you would have recognized it. I I would not. Um, it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't one of the famous. It was very much an album track from the Bible. You know, it wasn't one of the bits you recognize. Yeah, deep cut. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. and I didn't Book realize before because yeah. Rishi Sunak has nerd voice. Yes, but I realized oh, that he yeah. also has a bit of a lisp. So he's like going, <laughs> guys. This is a momentous occasion. We hear, he sounds like um, fucking it's Dean, Dean Lerner. Lerner. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's very thematically appropriate. He sounds like Dean Lerner. Yes, well, to the point of Dean Lerner, uh, that is a character in the show that we are talking about mm. today. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, the Channel 4 mm. classic. Dark Place? Um, Dark the, Place. Now, uh, if you is. are uh, an American, you might know Dark Place because it was on the Sci-Fi channel very mm. briefly back in like the oh, late 2000s. Oh, I know it because it was on Adult Swim. Oh, it got an Adult Swim oh, run wow. too. Okay, Because they, they brought over the Mighty Boosh and they brought okay. over Dark Place gotcha. around, I, I want to say 2006 or 2007, a few years after it, it aired. Yeah, right when it came out on yeah. DVD, I think. It, it coincided with the DVD release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dark Place has aged a lot better, I have to say. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. When I first saw Dark Place, because it was a few years after this had happened, I assumed that it was a riff on Stephen King's Kingdom Hospital. Mm. Doing the work right. for this episode, I found out Stephen King's Kingdom Hospital came out three months later. Really? 
Huh. Stephen King watched Garth Marenghi. Right, exactly. Just exactly. It off. Yeah, he made a serious version. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. only thing that this is missing is giant anteaters. Well, you got to have those to control the giant ants. Of course. <laughs> it's like the Australian <laughs> approach to biosecurity, where every new invasive species, they have to release another invasive right, species right, to right. catch it. An old it, woman swallowed a fly. You got big ants, you need the big anteaters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's to, to give a mouse a cookie of horror. So yeah. we. Uh, Milo, you have a long and storied history with this show in that mm. it was very sort of foundational for your comedy. Yeah, is that I right? wrote it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, no, but we, I remember, too, we, we were talking. We, Milo, you and I went out uh, mm. for karaoke when you were in New York and yeah, we got yeah, to talking yeah. about the show. And I think you floated the idea of doing Dark Plays, if I recall correctly. Or you, I was like, Probably, what, yeah. what are the big comedy influences in your life? So, yeah, tell us a bit more about like what Dark Place uh, has meant for you, why you like it so much, and what going back to it maybe felt like too for for this. Um, I got I got back into it, or I got into it in the first place at at university, which is kind of when I also started doing comedy. So when I was about eighteen, I think I'd mm. been into uh, I'd been into Alan Partridge for a while at that mm-hmm. point, which is the other. I I think for a comedian, I'm not actually someone who like watches a huge amount of comedy. Because mm. I, for me, the experience of being a comedian has just made me like exceptionally in a way that like people who are really annoying about music only like atonal jazz. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I've like uh-huh. gotten to that point with comedy where like the only comedy I like is either like incredibly high concept or it's like the dumbest shit imaginable. Like I was I was making Josh listen. I picked him up in my car. I was making him listen to this Australian podcast that I've become obsessed with, which is just mm-hmm. one Australian comedian who is a complete lunatic. Oh, yeah. Like, just- Mm-hmm. That is what everyone in the Australian comedy scene, they're like, oh, oh yeah, Wolfie, he's a fucking lunatic. <laughs> and it's just like, and this and this other comedian who just like asks him the kind of questions a therapist would ask. <laughs> and then he's just going off on this rat, like the other day he's going off on something about how he gets stopped for drink driving by the police and he starts doing star jumps and stuff to try and make it go down. And he's like, there's no law against it. It's just a bit of F45, mate. And then, like, <laughs> just imagine just yelling that at the cops. Anyway, so it's either that. <laughs> Or, or it's stuff that's extremely weird, like right. like Dark Place or yeah. um, or Alan Partridge. Um, but I feel like Dark Place too. Like it is, it's very silly, and it, but it's also high concept in a way. Like it kind of merges those sensibilities in a way. It's yeah. I think like a great a great way to understand it is um, a lot of people confuse things which are, I guess, like uh, com- like comedy in a straightforward way, and things which are pastiche. Like, and I think mm-hmm. Dark Place is definitely pastiche. Like, um, we, we we had a conversation about it once in the in the uh, about musical comedy. How like musical comedy is always bad unless it's pastiche. Like if it's mm-hmm. if it's if it's mm. musical comedy, like it's a song about how to make a cup of tea. It's always terrible, right? right? But if it's musical comedy where it's like like it's a song that's taking the piss out of a type of music, that's mm. funny. Like, and I think Dark Place is that in a, in a show. It's like it's taking the piss out of a type of TV show. And it's kind sure, of right. like making that and, and it's like pushing to the boundaries. Like it's it's taking the piss out of like pretentious writers and directors, but also yeah. of like low budget TV shows right. and like uh, the, the, the like the constant like low effort misogyny in the show. This like taking <laughs> right. the piss out of 80s <laughs> right. TV is like really funny. And yeah, we, we got obsessed with it at university. We used to host like parties where we would just watch Dark Place and like play. Oh, we, yeah. had, we had a drinking game, but I can't remember what the rules were. <laughs> I did watch my first episode, I think, of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place in college. Uh, oh. I think it was like 
one of those early uploads to YouTube. I, I, yeah. I remember watching it on. I think YouTube. it's still yeah. on YouTube. Um, the short-lived spinoff, the Man to Man with Dean Lerner, is also currently on YouTube yeah, in its yeah, entirety. Yeah. And yeah, I think I, I, those uploads are not accessible in the UK on YouTube. Oh sure, you can sure. just watch them on Channel 4's website for free. If you're in right. the US, you can oh, pull nice. it up on YouTube, no problem. You can also. I watched it on Peacock, which uh, they have not oh. calibrated the commercial breaks uh, very well. <laughs> oh no! So it would often be mid-joke that a commercial That's would. That's terrible. Cut in. I oh. hate yeah. that. The, the the Amazon Prime stream is is fine. Yeah. Uh, Great. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, get get your dark place, folks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so hard to memify the show because what makes it so special is seeing everything play out in the context of the thing like yeah. you can't memify uh richard ayawade holding mm. a baseball bat which then transforms into a coffee cup and then transforms into a baseball bat in literally mm. the next shot right like mm. it's just it, it it requires like your full attention in a way that i think that a lot of modern comedy doesn't because the whole thing is built like a fucking swiss watch yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's, it's timing it's precision it's the way that jokes build on each other and jokes in later episodes build on earlier episodes and, and also yeah. because there's so many layers of what it's doing right you've got the yeah. right. you've got the, the the show itself but then also the show within a show like the dark <laughs> place which is being done as cast and crew commentary right so you've got the actors are playing the the actors in scare quotes who are then playing further characters right. in the show and then, like the, the the way it cuts between those like three levels of reality. It's interesting because this this seems like a point in time where quite a few shows were coming from the Fringe Festival, and that's yeah. exactly how Garth Marenghi's whole thing started with two stage shows. Yeah, uh, which I mean, I've read some reviews and everyone seemed to love them, but I I, yeah. I don't know much more beyond those. I found an article mm-hmm. in the Guardian that Rachel Healy wrote, uh, and it seems to be like the only piece of like journalism about the creation of the show that I could find so okay. it's like mm-hmm. it is like the one source for all this but basically uh Matthew Holness who plays Garth Marenghi he started Garth Marenghi as a character at a cabaret at Cambridge when he was going to university mm. And he put that sort of aside because, you know, it was just a monologue that he would go up on stage and just scream at the audience, I assume, about how only cowards use subtext and then right, he would leave. Right. Then he decided to pursue sketch comedy, but found it to be like this sort of like very empty abyss that he would just throw ideas and it just wasn't particularly satisfying. But through that, he met Richard Ayoade uh, and they started to develop this show together where basically Ayoade would introduce... Uh, Garth Marenghi as his publisher. Oh, so he was Dean Lerner all the way back then, from the very yes. beginning. Okay. From from the word mm-hmm. go, and it was it was more like he was a producer of uh, Garth Marenghi's horror stage shows. So sure. the first one that that came up was, um, uh, you know, they would they would they did this show at a place called the Hen and Chickens Theater Pub. Oh Which, yeah, it's it's not far from where we are now. It's on Highbury Corner. Oh, okay. oh amazing! Oh, no. Amazing. I was, I was gonna ask if it was still in. Yeah, oh wow! Yeah. I, I was gonna. Ask we did if a it was still TF live show there once. Oh really? Uh, years ago. Yeah, we did a we did a, a joke debate. Okay. Show. Uh, I can't remember what it was. The debate was something to do with um, Elon Musk. I can't remember now. But uh, yeah, oh, it was it was like it was like uh, who <laughs> who is a greater danger like Elon Musk or Willy Wonka or something like. Oh, that. okay, sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah. How many? I guess. I guess we don't have like an actual number of how many 
children Elon Musk has killed, but we do have a very definitive mm. one for Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So while at the at the Hen and Chicken Theater Pub, uh, that they, there was an alternative comedy night that was run there by the Mighty Boosh. OK, and that's mm. where they met, you know, obviously the Mighty that Boosh. But that's also where they met Matt Berry, mm-hmm. who at the time was just doing like. Uh, quote weird Victorian characters. I I couldn't really find any clips from from his early days, but it does seem to be like that was that was his whole comedy. Well, well, Matt Matt Berry's first like gigs were doing stuff on dot TV, like doing sketches. Mm. And I was reading about this like a gaming thing. Yeah, the UK version of of tech TV, right? Or G4 or whatever. It was on it was on Sky, but I'd I'd never heard of this dot TV thing, even though like we I we had Sky as a kid, which is like kind of british cable um, right but uh yeah I'd not, I'd not come across this yeah not not large profile at all and this show really was matt berry's big breakout role right like people mm, saw yeah. him in this being the goofy guy who he is and they were like we want more of this yeah, very very was, silly man he was 29 years old when he filmed this yeah you know so <laughs> yeah he's, and, he's a real baby in this mm-hmm. uh, and, and now he's part of the juggernaut that is what we do in the shadows right and 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 what i will say is if for any of our american listeners who have been watching what we do in the shadows and you marvel at the vocal tricks that Matt Berry does in that show. <laughs> Give Garth Marenghi a watch. Yes. I don't yes. fundamentally understand how he is able to do the things he does mm. with his voice in this show. They bring on Alice Lowe to play Madeline Bull and Liz Asher in the show. And she had no interest in doing comedy. She was a dramatic and very, very serious woman. actor. <laughs> yes. She had never done it before. That's which amazing. Is She's frankly so funny. unfair because she is, yeah, she is outstandingly funny in this show. And uh, through her, they brought on uh, Paul King to direct the stage shows up mm-hmm. in Edinburgh. Uh, Alice Lowe and Paul King had worked together in university, uh, devising theater together. And that's sort of how the process went for devising the stage show. And basically, from what I can gather from uh, the first one, Garth Marenghi's Fright Night, they basically do what they do in the series, but for theater. So it's like okay. if the if the play that goes wrong never acknowledged that anything bad was happening. Yeah. Got and it. just kind of uh, kept soldiering on. It's worth noting here that Fright Night, it's K-N-I-G-H-T. It's about a mm. suit of armor like a ghost night. That it's a very scary people. night. It's mm-hmm. a fright Fantastic. night. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and followed that up with the next show, which was Garth Marenghi's Netherhead. <laughs> yes, which is where he plays a character uh, named Ken Daglas, who that last name mm-hmm. might sound familiar, yeah, yeah, who yeah. has to go mm-hmm. through hell in order to get his son back, which is also the plot of a play I wrote. So I feel real dumb now. Um, Milo, you had a show at the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, and I was wondering if you could maybe speak more, to the more experience. Than one, God help me. <laughs> uh, if you could speak to that, to the experience of putting up uh, a show there. Uh, because according to them, they were nobody came to see their first show. They had to invite mm, mm. a wait staff from the restaurant they went to that night and performed exclusively for them for like the first couple shows. And then mm. people really started coming in in droves. But what, what was your experience performing there? Um, I mean, it was probably pretty different then because you're probably talking like very early 2000s, I would think. Or maybe yeah, even the, late, literally late the 90s. year 2000. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because um, the festival would have been a lot smaller then. I mean, now mm. it's just, it's crazy. Like, I mean, there's like thousands upon thousands of shows. I mean, I was just at the Melbourne Comedy Festival in Australia, which is the second biggest comedy festival in the world, I think, after Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And there were like 600 shows. 
but in Edinburgh there's like close to ten thousand. It's oh, like wow. it's it's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh certainly like multiple thousands of shows. I've heard it I've heard it disputed how many shows there are, but I I don't understand because they have to register through a central thing. So you'd think that number would mm-hmm. just be available, but apparently not. Um sure. anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so it depends a lot. I mean, it, it it changes a lot as you do it over time. I mean, um, there's a lot of problems with the festival in terms of like economically speaking. Like it's becoming more and more unviable because it basically just makes money for landlords. I mean, like right. the yeah. price sure. of rooms for performance keeps going up, and the price of rooms to stay in keeps going up to a point where like it's basically now getting to a point where it's almost impossible to make money doing a show at the Edinburgh Festival, even if you sell it out. Like there are yeah. some, mm. I heard a story this year of a comic being offered a room at one of the big venue complexes, like a paid room. And um, he calculated that if he if he sold out the entire run at full price, he would still owe them 400 pounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which is and, just deranged. Because that's that, like, like impossible to do as well. That's nuts. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. it's turned into the New York fringe. <laughs> Where yeah, it's all yeah. just pay to play. You no longer expect exists. to make money. And uh, rest yeah. in piss, New York French. Yeah. <laughs> Go fuck mm. yourself. You still owe me money, bitch. <laughs> Milo, does, does that money go towards the landlords or towards the fringe family? That runs the festival. Uh, oh no, it all ends up in the pockets of landlords, pretty much. I mean, there are some sure. some venue complexes you have more sympathy with than others. For example, like the Pleasants, um, mm-hmm. they they rent university property, the Edinburgh University, to do their shows, and Edinburgh University don't let them run the bar. So Edinburgh University make all the money from the bar, and the Pleasants can only make money from the room hire. Uh, but then most of that they have to give back to the university to rent the space from them. So I think oh, the Pleasants sure. actually doesn't make a profit. They're like kind of run on a not-for-profit basis. Um, mm. But so then it's just the university is scamming a bunch of money out of the axe and the punters as well because the ticket prices always go up. Right, and, right. Anyway, this is kind of by the by. That's just sort of background. But yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, when you first start doing the festival, I think getting people into your shows is like a real, a real challenge. Like most mm. people... Um, do flyering so nowadays i have a production company so they will just they hire a bunch of flyers that work for them full-time and they'll like fly your show for two or three hours a day Um, and in edinburgh that really works because people come by and large it's not locals who are going to the shows it's tourists who are in town right they're going to go they're going to see shows all day like uh again to contrast with melbourne like the shows are only in the evening it's mostly just locals who are going whereas in edinburgh you know the shows start like 11 a.m and they run till like three in the morning um, oh, yeah. Those 11 a.m. shows must be rough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's mostly kids' stuff. Right. Oh, time. sure. That makes sense. My, yeah, my yeah, show yeah. is going to be at fucking noon this year. Which really? I, oh. I, I, yeah. Not exactly the prime slot there. That's, that's no. tough. Well, I've heard mixed reviews. Like, I don't really want to do a show at noon, but it's in a really good venue. So okay. I've kind of okay. I've accepted Ooh. noon. But the thing is that, um, it, on the other hand, there's no competition at noon. So sure, if you sure. like, you can you can have like a sellout run at noon because you're getting boosted by the fact that people who want to go and see stand up comedy at noon, there's not a lot of options. Right. Uh, right. However, will oh, they yeah. want to go and see my show about death uh, at noon? Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> maybe in the year 2000, mm. you could sell a few tickets and maybe lose some money, but you wouldn't lose your entire shirt. Maybe. I mean, did they? Yeah. Oh, it was way, way, way cheaper to do a show. Yeah. 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 Mm. Or yeah, is yeah, it yeah. magnitude cheaper? Yeah. Especially a show that purposefully is supposed to look bad. I mean, sure. look, mm. you know, sometimes shows that are purposely look bad do cost money. Like there is some stuff uh, mm. certainly put into that. But like in order to maintain the props because they yeah, break they so often. Yeah, they call it an right? Evo Van Hova production. Oh. Oh. 
folks. Ferengi's Dutch Help! place. There we go. <laughs> Evil Von Hove's dark place is just three hours of watching a corpse decompose. <laughs> uh, fuck. The last time I was at the Edinburgh Fringe, my girlfriend loves that book, A Little Life. Yeah, I, and they had oh, yeah. Evo Van Hove staging of Heard a little life that. was on oh, for a few nights. That. It was oh, four hours it? of a little life in Dutch, and that that's a miserable enough play yeah. to watch yeah. in English. They brought that but shit to, Bam, to Bam, in yeah. Brooklyn too, and it was just Man. abysmal from what I heard. I yeah, I mean, if, uh, fuck him killing himself. I wanted to kill myself yeah. by the end of that. That was, that was pretty <laughs> that's bad. like been the that's been the consensus opinion of what? everyone I've talked. Well, you like watching people shit themselves hours. on stage. Come <laughs> to my show. Um, so uh, yeah, basically they were actually did really well at Fringe. Uh, mm-hmm. The Garth Marenghi mm-hmm. crew did, and they're so successful that they came back again with Netherhead. And yeah. uh, you know, Matthew Holness doesn't think very highly of Netherhead. He's just like, eh, hmm. the expectations were so high after the first one that we hmm. kind of felt it was a sophomore slump. But it was enough to get them this gig and uh, to film for Channel 4. And so we get what happens if Alan Wake makes a TV show. <laughs> Something was pouring from his mouth. He examined his sleeve. Blood? Blood. Crimson, copper-smelling blood. His blood. 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 And bits of sick. Greetings, traveller. I'm Garth Marenghi, horror writer. Most of you will probably know me already from my extensive canon of chillers, including Afterbirth, in which a mutated placenta attacks Bristol. Back in the 1980s, I wrote, directed and starred in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, A television program so radical, so risky, so dangerous, so goddamn crazy that the so-called powers that be became too scared to show it and jipped me, much in the same way that women have done ever since they sniffed out my money. Only now, in the worst artistic drought in broadcast history, does the channel come crawling back, cap in hand and suitably ashamed, asking if your humble fabulist could once more retrieve Dark Place from the boxes in his spacious basement and let it loose on its unsuspecting public. That's you. These openings have a have a uniform format. We always begin, Garth Marenghi is reading one of his books, he turns to the camera, starts talking to you about the history of Dark Place, the show. Mm-hmm. Then we see him at the top of Presumably his stairs at home. <laughs> he proceeds to descend a staircase while looking and, at the and camera. And he doesn't know, like, you have to start moving before right. you start talking so right. that it's just, like, fluid motion. So he always initiates the movement yep. of walking down the stairs. And then we find him uh, in a closet with a, a can of film. Right. Presumably the episode that he is about to show you. I, what's funny about listening to that intro now is that the, the joke about how, you know, Dark Place, unappreciated in its time, has now been dug out for the, you know, for the public in a broadcasting drought <laughs> is, is then what actually yeah. happened yeah. to the show they were actually making, in a way. <laughs> it's yeah. sort of prescient. It's almost like they knew. It's super meta. And, and there's something funny about, like, the different, layers of of commentary and meta commentary there. I wanted to talk as well just real quick about the Garth Marenghi character and what we mm-hmm. come to learn about him pretty quickly. Yeah. You heard about it right up front there. The guy has issues with women like in yeah. a major mm. fucking way. And yeah. uh, he's also a terrible writer. Awful. 
awful. Mm. Yeah, the man's never rewritten a day in his life. Uh, he he really is so assured in himself and his ability to chill and thrill you. Right. Mm-hmm. And and <laughs> what he comes up with is is just the the ramblings of a six year old child. Well, that's uh, the blood. classic line. I'm one of the few people you'll meet who's written more books yes. than they've read. Yes. <laughs> and they, we keep seeing like flashes of like photo stills in this intro of what Garth mm-hmm. Marenghi's Dark Place was. And the first thing you see, it's a bunch of doctors and they're all holding guns. Yes. Uh, except for the, <laughs> the the sole female doctor who never once. That's right. A gun. She's never armed. Um, mm, yeah. And, yeah. and, and this, this becomes a recurring thing as well. And this was something I think that maybe you had mentioned, Milo, and we were talking about it too, is like these doctors have guns. Which yeah. is, of course, funny in and of itself. But there's also something about that it's like British doctors with guns. I feel like that's another yeah, level yeah, too, yeah. right? In Romford. Yeah. So what? Yeah. <laughs> Romford. What's that? Tell me. Tell me. Like, what? What are we as 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 you know American idiots sort of missing here in terms of cultural context? I mean, technically now it's actually part of London, but it's like a London mm. commuter town. It's like right on the edge. And it's just, it's a very, like, suburban nowhere place. Like, it's just, Mm. like, the association with Romford is, like, a boring suburban. Like, and so it's just, like, a funny place for anything crazy to be happening. Yeah, yeah. Just that, yeah, I think that's... Um, a lot of a lot of British comedy, I think, or like really good British comedy, is is focused on that side of things, and I think that's that's what I loved about Alan Partridge as well. Is like studying this kind of British suburban mediocrity, mm. um, and like yeah, Alan right. Partridge is set in Norwich in Norfolk, and it's like that kind of like people who are like a big fish in a small pond kind of vibe. Well, because Garth Marenghi yeah. is from Romford, right? That's why he writes about it. Is that uh, is that is that what we're supposed to take away from that wholeness? The character Garth Marenghi. Uh, I don't. I I don't know. Okay. Possibly. Yeah, like, is it a is it an exact like one to one with Stephen King in Maine? Is what you're yeah. asking, Josh? Mm, yeah, or, I mean, or yeah. Frank Peretti and Washington well, State. Yeah, that's right. another thing, and we'll talk about that later. How you know, definitely there are aspects of Garth Marenghi that reflect a lot of the weird evangelical Christian horror mm-hmm. writers who we talk about on our show. Sometimes it's a very fucking similar psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um, evangelical mm-hmm. Christian horror. That's yeah. an interesting. Oh, like yeah. sex before marriage. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're not far off. We should we could we could watch Frank Preddy and Ted Decker's house with you sometime, and that's exactly yeah. what happens. Yeah, uh, they're little demon. They're, they're personified by demons, basically mm-hmm. over your yeah. shoulder. There's a, demon, shit in your a ear. demon of lust that will dig its claws into your uh, shoulders and, and make yeah. you horny. I'm not <laughs> joking. Uh, I, oh, I know that guy. He's, yeah, my, my shoulder's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. His, his name's Carl. He's just will not leave me alone. Mm. Um, I but, fucked him, but he won't go away. That's, <laughs> Without a producer, nobody mm. would know who Garth Marenghi is. And in this Ooh. case, Garth's yeah. producer is a man named Dean Lerner, who, as we mm. as we said, was is played by uh, Richard Iowate. And his his thing is that he was not a TV producer. He like publishes mm. porno mags. He has like he, he's mm. never even really published books beyond Garth Marenghi. He said there's four authors that he's right. published, and Garth Marenghi is the best one of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, and he owns like according to. The spinoff show Man to Man with Dean Lerner. He also owns high class gentlemen's clubs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, I, what, what I think is so interesting about this character is that at first you kind of want to believe that he earnestly like believes this and is like a good person who just got duped by this like. <laughs> 
monster and then right. you slowly realize over the course of the series that he is actually the most despicable human oh being. yeah no he's <laughs> even the worse he's yeah. even worse than garth Marenghi, like as a person yeah. for sure and you see this in his just constant uh cost cutting measures and um uh, spoiler alert for some of Dark Place, uh, numerous workers just die over the course of the production yeah. due to lack of sufficient uh, safety <laughs> protocols and stuff like that. I mean, this yeah. is kind of appropriate for an NHS hospital, really. You know, rampant, <laughs> rampant cost cutting and yeah. unsafe work environment. Yeah. And it's become yeah. increasingly close to being a documentary as yeah. time has gone on. Because yeah. it's mentioned in text that it was, it did not hit in the UK, but it was really big in Peru. Yeah, brief like, run in Peru, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, mm. the show within the show. Is there? Is there just context and much like much like romford that's just a funny place for a show yeah. to be to be popular although sure. actually there is a uh, there is a storied tradition of british tv shows being popular in weird places oh sure there's um there's a british yeah. uh sitcom from the 80s and 90s called only fools and horses which oh I mean, yeah. yeah i would yeah. actually recommend I'm, for any i'm sorry criticism. i'm sorry what's it called only fools and horses it's only fools and horses is known for having the funniest moment on british television where del boy falls through the bar yeah, but it's um, not. That's not even the funniest bit in Only Fools. No, no, it's not. No, it's it's the It's one of the dumber punchlines. Like it's okay. fine. There are much funnier bits. There's a bit where they're like they're trying to get a. It's a show about like three guys from South London who are like wheeler dealers. They're always trying to become millionaires, and it never mm -hmm. works out for them. They're always like on in a scam. There's one time where they're trying to get a chandelier out of the ceiling, and they're like stood there and they're like poised with like a blanket underneath it to catch <laughs> it. And Granddad, the idiot, is up there trying to like knock it through mm -hmm. the ceiling. The other side and they're stood there with a sh and then just like a chandelier just 30 feet down the corridor just falls out of the ceiling sure, and just sure. crashes mm -hmm. into the but the best one is when they're dressed as Batman and Robin and they're late for a fancy dress party and they're trying to get and they're like they're like so they're like running down the street and then there's a woman being mugged and then the oh, mugger sure. turns around to see them dressed as okay. Batman and Robin running towards him, and just so it's yeah. it's a lot of visual gags and stuff. Yeah. Like it's that. it's a very oh, silly amazing. show, but yeah. yeah, it's it's again, it's like for a, for a sitcom of that era, it's actually pretty good. But that um, got popular. It was uh, massive in Albania. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they showed it in Albania, and then they <laughs> remade it in Albanian with Albanian like a shot oh, for shot remake. Oh, amazing! That's so interesting. Yeah, bunker huh. fools and horses. You know. <laughs> yeah, and what's what's the what's the fool to horse ratio? If you were to like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just like, we're not doing this today. We're okay. not doing this yeah. today. But this isn't about ek me. It's about ek us. Fuck mm. you. Let's go ahead and <laughs> move on. <laughs> uh, to sort of like, yeah, talk a little bit about what happens in this episode of Dark Place. Because we get a yeah. title card, which is also like, it's just like these little jokes. Like mm. the fact that the title card says Garth Marenghi and Dean Lerner presents not present, presents. <laughs> like, that's a small joke that is very funny. And there's yeah. little things like that here and there that you're just going to spot where it's like, Dean needed to have his name on the thing, but Garth mm. had initially had the idea to bill everything solo. And that's not how it ended up happening in the final cut. It's just incredible to watch. There's like a title card here also for like a King Lear quote. Yes. That like opens it. it like it really yes. dials you into exactly yeah. what kind it of says, pretentious he is. This mm -hmm. cold night will turn us all to fools and madmen. 
King Lear, page 46. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is good. We've got like a Twilight Zone style uh, opening sequence where mm. Garth is welcoming us to his dark place. Yeah, and he's doing mm. the typewriter thing of the like Stephen J. Cannell production logo mm-hmm. and yeah, tosses yeah, yeah. the paper and, it, you know, you see it <laughs> floating so down to this great sort of Ed Wood model of a hospital with a single tree growing in front of it. Yeah, this show I feel is so immersed in the history of television like mm-hmm. there are so yeah. many like little references and flashes of like things that actually you don't need to understand to understand the show but right. if you are yeah. if you are like a scholar of television from the 80s and 90s there's a lot to pick up on and i mean it feels like they actually are even using like old equipment to film it accurately mm. in that style it doesn't feel like sort of a later amalgamation it, it mm. feels very sincere and genuinely old in a way. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. got like film uh, grain. It's got like yeah. wobbly analog sound. Yeah. I mean, you can hear even that monologue we just played. I mean, it sounds like it's being recorded on a laptop mic. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There's also, of course, I mean, Stephen King's Kingdom Hospital, of course, did not come out uh, in time for this show. But Lars von Trier's The Kingdom did in, in the early mm. 90s, although mm. that's a, a pretty well-respected show. Um, it's certainly a very strange sort of Twin Peaks knockoff done by, you know, Danish perverts. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, I mean, speaking of Twin Peaks, like the soundtrack yeah. for this cribs a lot from Twin Peaks's uh, design. It's just that I don't know how to describe it other than like an organ that's been like filtered through a MIDI filter. Like I don't. Yeah. And these tunes are all, according to the show, based on a tune whistled by Garth <laughs> Marenghi. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Based on melodies whistled by Garth Marenghi. Yeah. I think yes. is what's in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot whistled. of a lot of synth, and this was the time where mm. synth became so prominent throughout the 80s and 90s on TV and everywhere else. In part because of people like Angelo Baldamenti, mm. but also because it was cheap. Instead of having to hire an orchestra, you could have right. one guy with a keyboard do all yeah, the yeah, parts yeah, of yeah. the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Hewitt was the composer for this show. And it's, he and does it's a lot very seventies synth. You can really mm-hmm. like you can really hear all of the wires being plugged in. You know, it's yeah. got the yeah the yeah, real yeah, like, yeah, telephone yeah, yeah. switchboard ass synthesizer. Into this <laughs> in, into Dark Place Hospital uh, arrives. Liz Asher, uh, mm-hmm. who is again played by Alice Lowe. Ma- well, she's played by Madeline Wool, who's played by <laughs> Alice Lowe. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and the first, so Liz is, you know, she's the the the, the hot new doctor on the scene. She went to um, Harvard College, Yale, and uh, is yes. looking to start immediately. When she but, aced every exam and got an A. That's right. Lest we forget. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But when got she arrives, M-A. the first thing that she sees is a cat that uh, encourages her to leave. But no, she does not <laughs> heed the cat's warning. And right from the start, like this, this show is like this is what the show is going to be. Yep. You see the hands of a production assistant just put the cat down on the floor. I love the way that this show so quickly sets the rules because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know exactly what you're getting into from the very beginning mm-hmm. because yeah. like and it gives you so much trust and confidence, I think, in mm. uh, what they are going to do. You're you're if you're not on board after the first like three minutes, you're not going to be on board. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you Absolutely. are, you super duper are. It's also fun that within canon, that cat is dead. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how it could have possibly. It's it's not doing anything like yeah, death. All defined. the the insane things that happen throughout mm. this episode, you find out at the end. Dean Lerner says, "Oh yeah, that cat you saw in the first minute." 
passed away somehow right. on this right. set. She has, after meeting up with Matt Berry's doctor, whose name is Rick Sanchez. Dr. Lucian Sanchez. Rick Sanchez. I'm freaking Pickle Rick. Um, I, I would accept, a you know, now that now that a, a certain gentleman is no longer going to be voice acting mm. on a number of cartoons, I would accept Matt Berry as Rick and Oh, absolutely. Morty. I'd love that. We've um, got a problem, Morty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rick. Rick, oh, oh gee. Mm. Got a, um, we've got to go to another dimension, Morty. <laughs> oh, geez, Rick, I don't know. There are so many dimensions. How, how, how is it is. supposed to be in school. <laughs> so, yes. Does um, he voice both? Mm. Does he do both Rick and Morty? Oh, yes. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You got you to get the same guy, because right? Because Justin Roiland did both of them before. Yeah. yeah. It's got to stay that way. We have basically a vision that Liz has at this point. She has a, a vision that horrible things are going to happen. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. Ah. And we have a talking head segment where yeah. it's usually mm-hmm. with Garth and Dean talking about how the show got made. And this is where we learn that Dean was very enamored with Garth Marenghi's writing. Uh, and yeah, that's basically what we're going to be seeing throughout is this back and forth. Yeah, I mean, that that's the soul of the show, I mm-hmm. think, is is the cutaways and the like. They'll just cut away from like the fucking craziest shit happening to explaining their rationale for doing this. And like some of that, that I think is such a beautiful comic device because mm-hmm. it just gives, oh, yeah. it, you can you can add so much more to like the, because the stuff that's going on in the show within a show itself is funny enough, but then them justifying why they made this terrible TV show adds such a, such a great other dimension to it. Yes, exactly. And, and with that total belief that what they have made was not only good, but like historical. Transcendent. Yes. Yeah, like this, yeah. this changed the game and here's how we did it, folks. Here's right. the secret to the sauce. Right. Yeah, and, mm. and you know, this show could so easily just be a joke machine. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it could just it could just like uh, do one mishap after another after another and it would be great. It would still be like a great comedy show. But what I think is so interesting is all the stuff that's, you know, Garth Marenghi very famously says only cowards use subtext, but mm-hmm. the show kind of thrives in subtext in a very interesting way. Like mm. you learn so much about Garth Marenghi based on what he chooses to write about. And yeah. I think that yeah. every episode of this show focuses on a different fear like a fundamental primal fear that Garth Marenghi has about the world. And you learn so much about him, even though there was a point where I had this whole theory going that it was just like a, a super conservative, like, um, uh, like anti-immigrant sort of, uh, monster. And then he'll come out and then just disprove that with like, he'll undercut it immediately in like the talking Mm -hmm. head section. And so it, it really leads to this like incredibly complicated Mm. character who could just so easily just be a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's it, it, he's a it's, fully it's, fleshed out guy. It's very much like when we were reading This Present Darkness and we got to the scene where we found out how scared Frank Peretti was of video arcades. Yes. And it's like, right, like, like the whole the, the man himself just totally bleeds through and you can see mm. exactly who he is because he's like he's opened up his own body and laid bare his internal self. Yeah, or like the way that uh, Jerry Jenkins and Left Behind will like describe the experience of being horny, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, this, mm. this is horrible. 
But yeah, you're in the video arcade. You're playing Time Crisis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a private booth. No one's gonna see. There's a girl with big naturals steps in and picks up the second gun. Absolutely. Mm. Dean plays the most important character in the show, other than Gark Marenghi's protagonist, Rick. Yeah. Um, right. That Dean's character is. Uh, Thornton Reed, who is, mm-hmm. I guess, the administrator of the hospital, uh, among other things. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he, he's, he's, like he's the, the chief of hospital. Right. Uh, admin, <laughs> the admin boss. Yes. Yeah. Holder um, of he has the to hit strings. the table when upset. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. The way that Dean puts it is that, you know, he brought like nothing but truth to the role. But mm. when we hear him actually talk. I hope he heeds my words about being with this in an orthodox manner. He will. He's <laughs> the best damn doctor on the wing or any other wing for that matter. He's a wild card, but I'm glad he's in our deck. Let's hope he plays a fair hand. He'll come up, Trumps. If it's not a joker in the pack. And, and sometimes, sometimes there is. is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so complicated, the idea of being a bad actor, right? Yes. Playing mm, yes. bad acting. You have to find some specific thing that you're doing. And what Iowate narrows down on is this guy is totally uncomfortable in front of a camera, but he has been gassed up so much that whatever he says is going to be natural and real by mm. the mere virtue of just being a man who is alive. Yes, so right. all he's doing is uh, the Atlantic school of acting. He's just saying those <laughs> lines. <laughs> he's Staring. just going straight through like David mm. Mamet. Occasionally glancing into the camera like it right, is, just. Yeah. Every once in a while, he has to do phone acting, which is maybe the best thing Ugh. that Dean Lerner does, in my estimation. Yes. His where he, phone calls, he, yeah. he puts the phone down too early and then picks it up yep, again. Yep. You know, he doesn't Goodbye. give any time for someone to talk back. <laughs> uh, mm. and, and he's also like having to time certain hand actions. He realizes he needs to emphasize something like hitting the table, but he doesn't hit the table on the stressed verb. He says the whole sentence and then Bow. does yeah. his little yeah, knock because yeah, yeah, yeah. he can't do both at the same time. Um, You know. Mm. Whenever they talk about like really good singers are able to sing really poorly because they have, you know, such a command of their instrument. Like that's mm-hmm. what I get watching Richard Ayoade in this is that he is such a brilliant comedic actor mm. that he yeah. knows how to act badly without pointing at it. Like, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. naturally feels like this is the best that this guy can do acting-wise. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so interesting about what's going in the show. I mean, they talk about you need to know the rules before you can break the rules. Mm-hmm. But it's such mm-hmm. a, like, studied... I mean, you see it a lot with, like, to do, like, comedy magic, you have to be really good at magic. And to do, like, mm-hmm. comedy, like, music, like, playing the piano badly, you have to actually be able to play the piano in right. order to, mm-hmm. like, understand what would be funny about doing it badly. And I think yeah. this is such a great case study in it where you got kind of, like, there are, like, the top-line jokes... And and then there are the pastiche jokes and then there are the jokes which are jokes about jokes where it's just mm-hmm. like the sort of yeah. anti-humor of the show um mm-hmm. and like that is a great like just this list of cliches just like he'll come up trumps unless there's a joker in the pack you know and then this kind of like just overdoing it with the cliches but then also then finishing it off with something that's not a cliche of just like and sometimes there is right like this <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is it's flip flopping well, it, back and forth. It also raises a question too of like, well, was that originally in the script? Was that something mm. that Dean wanted to add it in to more accurately reflect like his truth? Yeah. You know, is that a Garth yeah. line? Is that a Dean line? Who knows? Well, and, and like mm. the actions too also have this feeling of being like Dean Lerner is on take three and he's like, oh, I know how to do this better. I'm gonna mm-hmm. raise my hand. I'm gonna do mm-hmm. this, and he mm-hmm. does it so fast that the camera can't keep up. <laughs> so the operator has to like 
very quickly pivot over to the right so that you can see his raised hand and then pivot back. <laughs> we have Rick, who is our hero, and he is, as we've heard, a bit of a maverick. Yeah, Rick um, Daglas, MD, the best doctor around, yeah. who loves mm-hmm. to go into the pediatric ward and talk to a kid <laughs> who who's not a patient because nope. his dad's the patient. N- correct. He goes um, into this room that is a fully like decorated child's room, and he's like, your dad's going to be okay. <laughs> It's uh, so good. I'll do my best. Yeah, there's, um, <laughs> so there's also, may, maybe this is something that wouldn't come across so much to the mm. American audience. There's a lot of stuff in here which is like, the joke is that the hospital is in Britain, but they're doing things Americanly for oh, some reason. Okay. Like, so, oh, okay. So like the Harvard, Harvard College Yale right, thing right, is a bit of a joke. Yeah. But then also like Rick Daglas, MD. Like doctors here don't get called MD. It's not a thing. So oh, it's like, okay. uh, you would just be Dr. Rick Daglas. Like, that gotcha. Would be, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, hell because yeah. because in Britain you only get called doctor if you're a doctor or you have a you don't like dentists mm-hmm. aren't doctors here mm. and like psychiatrists mm. aren't doctors you know what I mean it's sure, just, sure yeah yeah so there's that kind of we don't have the MD distinction um, interesting it, yeah uh, and so yeah, yeah there's all these kind of like little details in it which are kind of like because uh, I think there are a lot of shows that have been made in Britain which are like aping American stuff so it's kind of right. slightly satirizing that tendency yeah I, I i the thing that jumps out at me are the name tags that they all wear where yeah. doctor is the largest thing on there and then their right. names are very small underneath that and i didn't know if that mm. was in like if that's actually just what british uh doctor name tags look like or if it was <laughs> no. very specifically like a terribly designed prop yeah, I don't um because I'm trying to think back in the day. Now in the NHS, they all wear big yellow name tags mm. that have their name on them. That Mo- most of it is their name, and then mm. it will say like mm. doctor or whatever underneath. So it's kind of like the opposite of that. But I don't. Um, I'm not sure yeah. what it would have been like back in the day because that's kind of a recent thing. Well, and I also think back to the point of pastiche too. It's like this is a soap opera hospital from an American mm-hmm. soap for the most part. That mm-hmm. also yeah, happens yeah, yeah, yeah. to be. Uh, this is staying elsewhere. Basically. Yeah, and it also yeah. happens to be located above a Hellmouth, as you do. As a result of the Hellmouth, uh, there's a lot of issues going on. One of the big problems is that um, there's a guy named Renwick who uh, mm. I guess mm. has been uh, dealing with sort of alternate uh, the occult uh, and things like that mm-hmm. because Garth Marenghi is constantly pushing it to the limit, right? This clip right here was the first clip that I ever saw of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and okay. this clip of Matt Berry's delivery alone sold me on this show. So what happened between you and this Renwick customer? <laughs> it's just so good. Then we, when we eventually do meet him as an actor, mm-hmm. he sounds nothing like this. Right. Uh, um, he's, he's just doing what he thinks he needs to do in order to have gravitas and and i think that's interesting too like the interviews that we have done the commentaries on this show are just three people it's just Mm -hmm. garth dean lerner and todd Todd rivers played by matt berry and todd is a little bit more like dean and garth look like they were interviewed on the same day in the same building and Mm -hmm. he might have been taken like on a different day somewhere Mm -hmm. else and he speaks highly of his work and yes. occasionally of the work of the TV show, but he's like a little bit more standoffish. Mm-hmm. He's he's a little bit further back. And, and you, you even get a joke in the, the last episode where they lost a reel of film and they've recreated it using the voices available 
at present, and mm-hmm. he is not part of that scene. It's right. just Garth and Dean. The takeaway that we're really getting here is, yeah, Todd, this was an early gig for him. He moved on to much bigger and better things. And, you know, mm-hmm. that this is this is a he footnote. what we do in the shadows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tensions between the cast and crew is quite an interesting mm-hmm. like running thing through the show. Do in no small part to the fact that the production standards killed a fair bit of the crew that's that's, that's part of it yeah Yeah, imagine a cat dying your first day of work yeah that's on a new season of television like and you choose to go back but yes rick ends up telling us a little bit then about what happened to him and renwick that night we performed the riot and opened the gate halfway through i went to the kitchen to fix us both a coke float but by the time i got back we got insane And he's like wobbling his head around. It's intercut. It's a very classic like horror bit of, you know, just the shaky head, the yeah. the blurry shaky head. Mm. Um, and I and the, that detail of Garth Marenghi, just like I went to make a Coke float as though that's a normal thing that people do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the show is full of beautiful details like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just Garth so, Marenghi yeah. has a Coke float every single day and mm-hmm. doesn't realize that that's a little unusual. Mm-hmm. Like we're in the middle mm-hmm. of performing a satanic ritual, but you can't do that without a Coke float. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very Australian. I also love just- a Coke float <laughs> down there. Also, just just the Fred line. Throw a fucking hell mouth, can. <laughs> Get yourself a coke flight first. Frozen coke, love it. It's fucking yeah. hot out there. Yeah. It's, hotter than, it's hotter than fucking dog shit. Yeah, you know, it's also very hot in hell. So you gotta have a coke float there. I, I'm madder than a tree full of glass, mate. <laughs> we all we all float here. This is it. You and he were buddies, weren't you? Once. Listen. When I first joined this hospital, I was strictly solo. You were the first real buddy I ever had. But if you and he wish to be best buddies again, I won't stand in your way. Way. I've got a best buddy, Serge. But some shit sticks, no matter how hard you scrape. Hang back. You got it. It's even more obvious uh, in just pure audio form. You can hear it flip between actual onset audio and ADR. I, but yes. they do this yeah. really this that I mean this is more like a 70s thing. You know, you can watch mm. like, you'll watch a movie and then all of a sudden everything will be just like right up here up close. You right. can hear his mouth sounds mm. when he's yeah. like you and he were buddies, <laughs> weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it cuts well, back to Rick and he's Coke like, "Float, just yeah." There you go. <laughs> and then down. it cuts back to Rick and he's like, "Yeah, we were buddies." <laughs> it's like, like you can tell immediately, like night and day. Right. And I feel mm. like I'm sure there were some points where they did that intentionally, but I'm sure there might have just been some points where they were like probably a little lackadaisical about audio on set because then they could just take advantage of that opportunity That's to do the, the worst fun. ADR right. on, on, right. on yeah, Earth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're working fast and loose, then those production techniques contribute to yeah. a show that just feels that way. Right. Um, but yes, I mean, Rick heads over to room 213. Larry fucking explodes. <laughs> His head is just there like the android head and alien. And so yeah. he goes out in Brazil. Mate. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. there Rick, is that moment after he explodes and we get like nine different camera angles uh, of this explosion. Right. They just spent a lot of money on this over. explosion. They did sure. like high crank multiple angles at once. And it is a massive explosion. The whole yes. set yes. is shaking like shit's falling it's off the It's the biggest walls. moment of the entire show. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and the line that follows it is, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for Perfect. some reason, there's this very personal element to the idea of spontaneous human explosion. 
for mm. Garth Marenghi. Yes. And it was really mm. important. It was very somber day to shoot the explosion mm. scene right. for him. But he stayed um, strong for the sake of the crew. Yeah. Uh, per yeah. Dean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's yeah, very yeah. 19th century. You know, mm-hmm. the, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Spontaneous combustion. Mm-hmm. People were doing it back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and it became yeah. less popular. With the, with the coming of the railroad. It went out of with, fashion, with, yeah. with, of course, mm. the exception of uh, Spinal Tap drummers. They they kept yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. It, was, it was eventually replaced by the Flapper Girl. Oh, is that a, a Oh, that was the trade-off. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was no there was no need to explode after that. Sure. And look Makes at what happened little. to society after that. Are we better off? Yeah. I don't think so. Well, spontaneous human combustion was, build up, was caused by a build-up of cum. In the oh, body, right, which once right, the right. flapper girl had been invented, people right. were just cranking it. Right, know? right, yeah. right. But prior to that, you had less opportunity. You know, the bathing suits were down to the ankles. <laughs> right. It was tough. Right, right. Ejaculation <laughs> was not invented till 1922. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Rick fucking smacks the head across the room with a fucking shovel. I mean, it's right, just the way the that head he's is not asking dead. to be euthanized. Yes. Yes. Please yes, kill yes, me. I, this kill man me has really fully hurts. exploded and his still yeah. living head says, you gotta, you gotta do it, Doc. Yeah, I can't yeah, live in. Yeah. It, it, with all this pain anymore. He you says, know? I think really I'm going to die. <laughs> but Rick realizes, oh, he's still, you know, possessed, so we need to burn the body. But the problem is that uh, Reed, that's, that's of course, Dean's character, yeah. he's not down with that. You know, th- that's a little too maverick to just burn somebody. You can't just burn somebody. And so they give mm, him a right. proper Christian burial instead. And guess mm-hmm. what? Comes back to life. Because sure, you know, it's so funny the the, the, like, the the way in which there's so many just completely out of reality things in this show, but mm-hmm. then something that's actually quite normal, like a cremation. They're like, you can't possibly do right, that. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like every detail. The idea of euthanizing someone with a shovel, just mm-hmm. like every there's there's not a single scrap of this show where they haven't put a joke in. No matter what like right. p- plot mm. point it is they're trying to get over, there's not a single like nut or bolt of this show that isn't like there isn't some kind of subversion placed on it because it's, yeah, to, right. it's so much again to do with like the really weird way that garth Marenghi sees the world like the mm, thought yeah. of a cremation being a perfectly normal thing that genuinely might not even cross his mind or it may mm. like it, it's it's hard to say one way or the other all yeah. we really know is that garth Marenghi has this paralyzing fear himself of i guess demonic possession and also spontaneously exploding mm. yeah. and also death In death, in a very deep-seated, like, religious fear of death as well. So all of this comes together in this funeral sequence then when, uh, you know, Renfield comes back to life. Renwick. (laughs) Renwick comes back to life. Thank Mm. you. Nicholas Holt bursts out of the grave. Of course, you know, the body arises from the grave fully intact, doing doing the blurry head, doing the fast head. Mm -hmm. We we hate it when fast head happens. And Mm -hmm. then he has to get shot to death. And they expend so many bullets just killing this man. And Dean Lerner's, Richard Iowade's physicality with that shotgun is one of my favorite things on all of planet Earth. It's Uh what I aspire to be as a Mm. man, as an actor, Mm -hmm. as a human being, as a child of God. (laughs) Just, Just rigid. Just yeah. unflinching, yeah. popping off those shotgun shells. Just it's, it's like a truly an animatronic. Just, just yeah. yeah. Mm. 
just completely back and forth. Yeah. But also yeah. aiming way too high. Way too high. <laughs> shooting yeah. up in the air. Yeah, Probably yeah. because I think in the logic of the show, that's a real shotgun that right. he is yeah. just shooting live right. bullets. Right. So you can't just sky. shoot straight ahead. You have Correct. to, yeah, yeah. You have to angle it up. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you, you can't hit the a... fake gravestones that they've put in this, like, I guess, alleyway. I don't know. It's really. It's really lovely the set design mm-hmm. here, but yeah, uh, uh, Garth Marenghi uh, shoot. Uh, I'm sorry, Rick Daglas just fully <laughs> shoots the mother of the dead guy. And what's most important to Garth at the end of this episode and at the end of every episode is not only that you realize that Daglas is a hero, but right. that Garth himself is a hero by being Daglas. Right, that he mm-hmm. actually is doing those these two are good one and the same things. Yeah. yeah, the second episode it just starts out with Garth Marenghi reading the book again, except rather than blood, yeah. it's maggots this time, yeah. and it's much more explicitly just the word maggots yes. like six mm-hmm. times in a row. The chef in the hospital kitchen is cooking up chicken. The chicken is not ready. The chef played by Stephen Merch, and we've got the yeah. clip, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. Where's this flipping chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> and he crosses over and ducks under a doorway because well, he's Stephen Merchant and he's very tall. He's minutes, the tallest man in Britain. But nothing. Women like you are the reason this chicken's late in the first place. You'll be lucky if you get any of my lovely chicken if you keep up this kind of behavior. <laughs> and we've established in the first episode that Dr. Liz Asher is psychic in multiple different ways. Right. She's many kinds inclined. of psychic. Yeah, um, yeah, because she can have visions, she can read minds, she can move stuff with her mind. And well, what happens when a woman has a whole lot of power? Right. Turns out, turns she out things get Aldemar pretty cost. bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah uh, so she, this is this is Garth's next big fear, right? Mm-hmm. Women. Yes. Right. Just right. women. Margaret and, Thatcher. <laughs> yeah, Margaret. I, just a great physical performance in this episode from Alice Lowe, who mm-hmm. uh, has to slowly just unhinge and become this like Carrie-esque figure of just destruction because she starts tele- telekinetically throwing around utensils and pretty much no- anything that's not bolted to the ground mm-hmm. uh, and killing people. Yeah, um, mm. it, this is we, we also find that another fear that Garth Marenghi has is like actual ESP and people being able to use psychic possibilities. So he's created a charity to unlock psychic potential in mm. uh, underprivileged children. Yep. Uh, mm. Just curious to hear your thoughts broadly on on that, Milo, you know, the feasibility of that, w- whether you approve or disapprove. Look, we need to get kids off the streets and using mm-hmm. telekinesis. Yeah. yeah. In mm-hmm. my view. Yeah. I've, got, I've got two words for you. <laughs> telekinesis. <laughs> as many kids as possible into yeah. Charles Xavier's school for gifted youth Mm -hmm, Uh, and and this feels like a very direct reference to sir arthur conan doyle who spent much of his life trying to prove the existence Uh, of fairies um you know and 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 psychics and media and all that sort of thing one Uh, of the most credulous fucking morons on the planet earth who thought (laughs) he was a genius because he made sherlock holmes and sherlock holmes was so smart it makes sense yeah, in, in the same way, like, Garth Marenghi created uh, Rick Daglas, so he must yeah. also be the super smart hospital genius. <laughs> of course. It, ma- it makes sense. It does. There is nothing more unsettling than Iowate's not laugh laugh that he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where he emotionally just makes the sounds of laughter and the camera just lingers on him for just a little too long. It is <laughs> so sinister and so delightful every time it happens. And it happens a lot because there are jokes written into the show that Garth Marenghi has written. Yes. That he makes everyone pause to scream laugh at. And right. 
the sequences mm. go on for oh, like a, a very like a, unsettling a literal like minute at one and, point and i think they keep laughing always more. just at liz asher's expense mm-hmm. they're always yes. just jokes mm. about women right. and and the yeah, entire yeah. premise of this episode is that yeah, yeah women are scary in general but also like women having powers is dangerous because of PMS. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that is the entire yeah. <laughs> plot of this episode. And and Garth Marenghi thinks it's so important to like warn everyone else about PMS because this of what like, it's yeah. what he thinks it's done to him personally. <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode where we get the amazing bit where Liz is quite calmly explaining the situation and one of the one of the other cast just slaps her around the face and she yeah. goes, Thank you, I was being hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> There's also something too, I think, that is actually a very interesting commentary on people with megalomania, right? Mm. And particularly because mm. it usually is these older white dudes who tend to have like the uh confidence of somebody mm. with actual talent. And that there's sort of a misogyny built into that worldview because mm. the like the egotistical side of them is just like, well, I'm the best there is and I'm a man. Therefore, men are inherently superior to women because I am that I am that thing. Mm. And uh, this is sort of the episode where it is at its most blatant because, uh, yeah, they got to take her down. They yeah. got to take down uh, Liz Asher by going through. <laughs> The Catacombs of Dark Place, which has a lot of tunnels that are really long and curvy. Yeah, yeah. it's very... Mm. The, the way they shoot the sequence is very Star Trek Voyager, actually. Um, oh, interesting. If you've, if you've ever <laughs> yes. watched Voyager, there are so many fucking scenes in the Jeffries tubes in Voyager yeah. that look just like this. I don't and, like the name Jeffries tubes. Well, then you don't like Star Trek. We're not going to be friendly to this, AJ. You either okay. you you got to put up with the Jeffries tubes. I don't give a That's shit right. whether you like them or not. They are essential to the function of Starfleet ships. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Fucker. I'm, I'm Jeffrey Stubes and I'm running for Congress in Indiana's full district. <laughs> <laughs> this sequence goes on way too long, which yeah. is the point. Um, and it's, it's all in slow motion because they just didn't have enough pages of script. Yeah, and they the realized episodes... that they were going to have to overcrank everything to Her- fill time. Per mm. Dean, the episodes were running up to eight minutes under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like any so, scene without dialogue was considered for slow mo. Right, right. Yeah. So like the also the premise here is that we are actually not even seeing the full episodes. We are seeing them cut right. down to right. make room for the interviews. And there were even more slow motion sequences. Mm, but right, for right. the most part, yeah, we're seeing Rick Daglas and a bunch of, you know, helpless red shirt doctors run through this gauntlet of plan nine from outer space objects hanging off of strings. Well, and then uh-huh. they encounter Liz and she's up in the fucking corner, like in hereditary. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I gotta yeah, say, yeah. this is it's act- referencing media that hasn't even been I know, made it's yet. amazing. It's yeah. um, impression. Although I will say this is actually like it's very funny, but it's also just a little bit scary, I think. Yeah. Like it, it's it does- yeah, it's like an idea that could work in different right. hands. Like right. it's almost there. At, at like the level of competence when you're just looking at shots of her and then they like speed it up and right. they, you know, everything and, and else kind of ruins they, it. it yeah. over J- and over Josh again. is immersed in the Marenghi world here. He's like, yeah. you know what? Women are kind of scary when they get that period, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matthew Holness has a really wonderful quote uh, from that Guardian article that I'd like to read now. But um, mm, sure. Most of the stuff I'm writing now is serious horror because he's mo- he's transitioned his career to being uh Actually doing legitimate horror now. Yeah. Although he has started writing his Garth Marenghi again as well. Yeah. Interestingly. Yeah. Doing yeah. novels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, but the things you find funny are potentially related to the things you find frightening. 
And I think when you watch this show, you really get a sense that this is a guy who understands what scary things are in the same way that mm-hmm. like Iowata understands what makes a good acting performance, but sure. is able to turn it comedic uh, because because mm-hmm. he has such a, a brilliant understanding of the craft. And so, yeah, when she's like twisting, like there, there are a couple sequences in this that I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this actually could be very frightening throughout mm-hmm. the entire series. But mm-hmm. none more so than I think that her like just turning back and forth like very uncannily yeah. in the roof mm-hmm. there. Yeah. With her hair all sticking up. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um and uh there's a I disagree <laughs> there's i don't a, think it's terrifying it could uh, be though it yeah. could be and, there's in hereditary is the proof of that because yeah, they did the yeah. same shot right but i'm a little mm-hmm. baby wimp so that i mean that's the other thing mm-hmm. uh in mm-hmm. fact just now as we were recording my partner walked in the kitchen and i did not hear them and when i turned to look i had a brief moment where i almost shit my pants oh, um, i scared mm-hmm. someone so horribly last night at the oh, escape yeah? room and it wasn't even for a scary. I mean, we don't really do scary parts except for one version of the show. Um, and this was not that version. But it's just like the lights were coming back on and I was walking back on to do my scene and I started mm. talking and I just went, ah, and this lady <laughs> screamed <laughs> because she was she didn't she was facing away from me and didn't realize I had come in. Do you scare yeah. easily, Milo? Are you into like horror, that kind of thing at all, or what's your uh, what's your relationship with the genre? I'm neither into nor not into horror. Okay. I kind of I have seen so I've I've seen Hereditary, for example. Sure. Uh, the mm-hmm. Hereditary is an interesting one because I feel like the first like hour or hour and a half very little happens, mm-hmm. and then the second mm-hmm. hour and a half is like too much happens. Just, yeah, just <laughs> yeah. just constant jump scares one yeah. after another. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend at the time were watching it upstairs at my parents' house. And then, like, at a certain point, we were yelping so often that they came they up came to upstairs. check on us. <laughs> but, like, not even in a like, particularly scared way, but just constantly just going, ah! Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> just every 30 seconds, there's just a new thing flies at the screen right. or whatever. Um, yeah, I caught myself actually doing it on a plane recently. I was watching a movie, like a thriller movie on a plane, and it just had a few, like, jump scares in it. And you're, like, kind of like, you're, like, people are, like, sleeping next to you. I was on, like, mm-hmm. a long haul flight oh, from, like, no. uh, Dubai to London, and I just catch myself in the seat, kind of going like become like so embarrassed <laughs> like, like what was that it must have been the guy behind i don't know yeah <laughs> uh i'd like to also take a moment just to shout out because we haven't talked about costume design in this sh- in in, mm. in this yet and i think yeah. this episode really personifies what they do really well about it um encapsulates what they do really well about it mm-hmm. there's a point where um they're just interviewing people to see who's behind all the telekinetic things. And they walk up and he's like, are you behind it? He's like, no. It's like, okay, you're good to go then. Um, (laughs) And they're all supposed to be wearing like hospital robes, but they just couldn't afford hospital robes. So they're wearing like kimonos and PJs and like just robe adjacent Mm -hmm. costume Mm -hmm. pieces. Um, There's one guy who is like the extra in it who just gets thrown into like different like basically community theater costumes and told to like walk uh, across the background. You can they spot him a couple really times. really nailed the aesthetic of like, we need to make something that looks shitty and cheap that still remains functional and tells a story about who these characters are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and also like who how they would have put this thing together as well. We see this in the set design too. Yeah. We didn't even talk mm. about uh, Garth Marenghi's car, uh, Rick's car, uh, oh, which which yeah, is just yeah, such yeah. a fucking brilliant piece of set design. Garth Marenghi's idea of Rick Daglas and of the other doctors is that they're cops. They are, they are mm-hmm. like, they are mm. X-Files detectives. They are doctor cops. And so the costuming has to like 
illustrate that for our main characters that they are somehow both things by letting the costumes drape in sort of a yes. similar fashion yes. and layer in a, in a similar way. Yeah, sorry, we were just we were just looking up um, Garth Marenghi's car. Yeah, just like yeah. looking, just looking at pictures myself. of the car on Google Images. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of like a sci-fi golf car. Yeah, they threw a, they took a yeah. golf car. But what's so funny too is like you are expected to believe that it is a real car. They treat yeah. it as if it is a real car, and it is very clearly not a real car. Yeah, it's like one step removed from wearing a cardboard box around your waist and like drawing mm-hmm. wheels on it. Mm-hmm. The, and and the production design of the driving scenes, especially, is, is beyond the car which there is nothing beyond the car. It's just Mm -hmm. an immediate black backdrop. Right. It looks like my recording setup right now, right? It's just like a sound blanket on either side of the car. And the camera is constantly exposing that, right? They have lights that are kind of hitting the wall so that you can see the curtains. There's there's really no uh, attempt at even creating an illusion there. The way that this episode wraps up is that there's... This one character who's a temp, I guess, um, <laughs> who can he, never be fully in the shot. He's always yeah. just <laughs> they, they fuck right up on the, the framing the every single time. This is such a dumb thing that says so much about who Garth Marenghi is and also who this type of guy is. That when yeah. this temp, this character who's a one off dies, mm. the last thing they talk about is the legal status of the Principality of Bermuda. What's your name, Sam? Clive. It's a strange name for an American. I'm from Bermuda. Oh, that explains it. British Principality. It's actually a dependent territory. <laughs> What's that? The Queen appoints a governor charged with internal security and external <laughs> defense, but she's still the de facto sovereign. We had so much to teach each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's also uh, just such a sharp observation about mm. that kind of writing, though. Exactly. Like, mm. These kind of writers are obsessed that you know all the facts, or like that they know facts, that yeah. they Very know Dan all of Brown. Yes. 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 Yeah. Just like stop mm. the momentum of the narrative completely cold to show you, ah, yes, here are some adi- here's some additional information. Look at how smart I am in this moment as a writer for being able mm. to teach you about these things. Well, and there's um, also like it's it's like, oh, we've driven we've we've given you a complex character. Sure, he has an American accent, but he's he's kind of not really American, you know? Right, like right. he thinks that this is also revealing to us something about this person yes, as a right. human being. Right? I think the, it was the legal status of Bermuda. It was cowardice on the part of the costume department not to put him in Bermudan business dress. You know, uh, like the, <laughs> the knee, the knee length pastel shorts, Bermuda shorts. with the shirt and tie yeah. on, yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, high yeah. socks and Oxford shoes for yeah. sure. I yeah, I mean, you don't really see wearing. a lot of his 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 costuming because it's yeah. just his floating head <laughs> in space. I don't know, I feel like for so much of it, I feel like that's like. That was the impression that I got from the way that they shot him most of the time is like, oh, maybe they didn't have all the costume pieces or most of his scenes were shot separately from everyone else because like no one else is in frame most of Mm -hmm. the time. And yeah, he has like six feet of headroom. So the episode ends with Liz getting an off camera lobotomy. Um, There's also this Mm. horrible, horrible, horrible joke that's like... um, she she's offers them buns and she bends over and, and you've Ugh. got this you got Matt Berry being buns I see a couple I fancy and it's like yeah. hmm. what is that like what are we doing here and that's I, I like, that's I the like one your, where they laugh for like yeah. a minute I yeah. like your uh, impression of Matt Berry yeah, as a I, southern gentleman yeah I don't like, know leave me like like a North Carolina plantation like owner RAF <laughs> officer in the 1940s <laughs> yeah. Yeah. buns I'll I see some buns I fancy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, just because the rest of you are all better at voices than me doesn't mean you need to rub it in my face, okay? Okay? It's all right, good buddy. We're going to go bomb those dirty Germans any day now. But yeah, I mean, it's... Now, what happened between you and these crowds? <laughs> <laughs> what so, on earth is the Luftwaffe? Uh, Garth <laughs> thinks that the message of this episode is that the human spirit cannot be mm. overcome. That is not the message of this episode. Nope. No. The message of this episode is keep Garth Marenghi from all women at Correct. all times. Yeah. And to be fair, I think that has been succeeded yeah. in doing. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, you know, yeah. that's been done. When we get back, we're going to keep talking about Dark Place. We're going to recap the rest of the episodes. We're going to encounter uh, Scotland and some apes and a whole bunch of other good stuff. So, mm. you know, right. stay tuned for that. Oh, hi. Hello, listeners. It is I, Hubert Magnus Fringe, owner and operator of Edinburgh Fringe, the festival that answers the question, if a stand-up bombs in an empty room, do they make a sound? My dear parents, do you have an hour-long show of knee-slapping yuck-yucks? Do you have an evening of sketches you're hoping would make a good TV show? Do you have a childhood trauma that you'd love to yell at strangers about for an hour and a half? Then submit yourself for consideration and then immediately be approved for the Edinburgh French Festival. Put up your show in one of our many varied and colorful venues, like the gutted out basement of a butcher shop haunted by the ghosts of at least four shepherds named Gregor, or the Arthur Conan Doyle Center, dedicated to a man who, and this is true, when once asked if he believed in fairies, clapped his hands so hard that we Tinkerbell exploded. Would you like to see Scotland in August? Too bad, because you'll be spending most of your time outdoors on our cobblestone streets, desperately throwing flyers into the hands of tourists to fill a 99-seat theatre that will later be occupied by an Albanian circus troupe. And a horrifically overconfident NYU theatre company called Arto was right, doing a show where they just scream into buckets for 45 minutes. Trust me, I've been there. I did a show here once. I stood out on the street corner, the rain beating down on me, my very own flyers disintegrating, the ink running down my hand as I begged someone, anyone, to come see my wee show. Some folks took flyers, but for the most part they passed me by, like I was not but a lonely ghost haunting the streets of Edinburgh. Soon it came time to do the play, a solo show that combines Oedipus Rex with this one time I went with me dad to a water park in Carbridge. So I drained myself off and made my way down to that butcher's basement. Nobody showed up and I thought, what's the point? Why do this at all? And that's when I noticed the ghosts of the four shepherds all named Gregor staring at me, watching me, waiting. So I began to perform, all 90 minutes of it. And at the end, the ghost sat unblinking. I screamed at them, What do you want? What do you want from me? And their leader, their Gregorius Gregor, leaned in close, blood pouring out of his ears and whispered, Would you like to come see our show at 5pm? So come to the festival where we promise great art and that you'll never, ever, ever recoup your run costs. Edinburgh Fringe, we put the I in futile. 
Broadway is back. We're back. And the next episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place we are going to talk about is uh, based on a true life story <laughs> from the life of Garth Marenghi, <laughs> apparently. Yep. Um, you know, when we were talking about like these episodes, mm. I remember Milo, you specifically said this one, the one with the eyeball child mm. was the one that you would most often skip in rewatchings because this one was just a little bit weird. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it is it is odd. The bit where he's being fucked by the eyeball child. <laughs> it is a strange. It it open. I mean, it's basically like we're in minute 1 and then all of a sudden <laughs> in, a guy's getting fucked by by uh, a, f- a floating Swayzo eyeball from from Monster Rancher. It's 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 yeah. absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and it is I mean, look, there is precedent for this in Stephen King's writing, right? Like in mm. Dreamcatcher the way that the aliens get up inside your body is through your asshole. Mm. And the reason I know mm. this is because it's my mom's favorite Stephen King book. No. Because she thinks it's no it's, one's favorite Stephen King book. She thinks it's so funny that the aliens <laughs> would go up through their assholes. Uh, well, and, your mom needs to see Bubba Hotep as well then. Yeah. I, I, what? Um, it's about a mummy that sucks your soul out through your asshole. Oh, nice. Mm. Is that yeah. true? Yes. And it goes to a nursing home in East Texas that uh, uh, Elvis Presley and black John F. Kennedy are in. So, yeah, there's precedent huh. for this in Stephen King's work before. But like it it just it feels very jarring in this one. And it, yeah, it, it's something. I mean, yeah, because what we learn is that this, as with everything else, is, you know, mm. to do with one of Garth's neuroses. Mm-hmm. This, Actually, I guess, yeah. is one about his his testicles. Like he's just got concerns about his dick and balls. And so that's yeah, all to do then with sure. the way that this uh, eyeball monster hey, got rendered. Who doesn't, honestly? Well, yeah, yeah. This one has, I think, a little bit less of an anchoring than other episodes because you Mm -hmm. can usually find something just like upsetting about Garth, you know, something Mm -hmm. that you can that you can morally frame yourself as a human being against as like the the impetus for the Mm -hmm. horror thing. And here it's 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 more just silly. It's just kind of purely silly. Yeah, but I, don't, mm. I don't know. It's it. I think it's fun in a way too, because what ends up happening is that yeah, that <laughs> he gives the guy gives birth. Sort of. It's it's kind of like you know the alien in Alien, mm-hmm. where it's like you know yeah. it bursts out of him or whatever. Um, and it's a a, a, a gigantic eyeball baby, which is known mm-hmm. as a Skipper the Eye Child. And um, yes, he worked his way into your heart, right? You didn't you feel just deep. Love uh, Milo for, for for Skipper the Eye Child. Do the Russians love their eye children too? I mean, <laughs> there's a go certain, on. <clears throat> yeah, there's a certain. Uh, I mean, St- Skipper the Eye Child. He certainly sticks with you yes. as a concept. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we all we all have to consider, you know, if ever we do have children, how we would react if our respective other halves did give birth to some kind of eye child. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, it's, you know, every man must answer that question for himself. Truly. Right. Yeah. So thinking about it for yourself, how would you answer that? The eye oh, child. I'd, I'd kill it with hammers. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Which is, spoiler alert, what yeah, Rick kind of happens at the end. Yeah. Here. Rick Daglas does not want to kill Skipper the eye child no. with hammers. But everybody else wants he, him to. He had a son who died. Everyone right. he knows, everyone he ever loved has died. And, mm. and he's, he's said as much in the beginning mm. of the show. Yeah. But he had a son who was part grasshopper (laughs) and the grasshopper child died because he jumped really high into helicopter blades (laughs) but his wife is also a normal human wife i I, like was he cucked by a grasshopper 
I it doesn't matter. It doesn't really he matter. Must have been though, like he must have been right. Like yeah. unless unless grasshopper is like a syndrome over there. Well, I think like, you again, just it's, you just are grasshopper sometimes. It must be another yeah. one of those things that's to do with Marenghi's specific neuroses. Like this is coming out in a very mm. like dreamlike Freudian way, right? Yeah. Where like yeah. there's questions about sort of phallic imagery and and children mm. and reproduction and stuff like that. Yeah, and these are. Garth's deepest, darkest fears that are bearing themselves out here. The parts that are funniest to me in this episode are the parts where they keep litigating the fact that they weren't allowed to show a giant erect alien penis (laughs) on TV. And they are so, so upset. So angry, so righteous about it. Well, the thing is, an alien penis is not technically nudity. That only applies to human nudity. So, I think they've misread the law. Well, yeah. and, also, and Dean Lerner says, you know, like the the erection, you know, erections mm. happen. He could have an erection right now. <laughs> he doesn't. Mm. I haven't. But he could. Yeah. <laughs> but he could. Mm. Uh, I, I, there are some really fun technical things they do in this episode that I think are very, very silly. That The fact that the lockers aren't real lockers. They're just like, I guess, a giant metal thing with like paper paste on the front mm-hmm. of them it's a very inter- it's a very good detail because lockers are incredibly difficult mm. to source like you know yeah. I, I, mm. I think that's a very cool like inside baseball joke but also every time when Garth looks out a window with blinds in it there aren't <laughs> blinds on the reverse shot Oh, that's funny. And it took me a little while to catch on mm. that they were taking the blinds on and off this fucking window. Um, we also learned that Rick Douglas is a Vietnam War vet? Yes. Mm. I guess. I think it's another one of these, like, jokingly putting American references in because obviously Britain Britain did not. Right. Un- unusually. <laughs> right, Britain. right, they right. chose to not enter the Vietnam War. The Australians, they did. They went in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Know, they went for it, but uh, we didn't. So, right. um, yeah, sure. it's like that kind of. Again, like pastiching, like I did, most of these TV shows would have been Americans. So they would have had these kind of details, and right? Then like, yeah. Well, to be it, to be fair to Australia, they were told that there were coke floats in Vietnam. So, well, right, you know, yeah. they had no choice. Well, you need a coke float in Vietnam. It's hot, man. It's so, <laughs> oh man, it's fucking roasting out here. <laughs> I could go for a coke float, right, and a ban me. I, I I took the note that it's it's so nice that Dean Lerner is getting better at acting. Yeah, like this was still the point in the show where I was rooting for his character to like mm-hmm. get better. Mm-hmm. But like, say what you will about him, the man can deliver mm. exposition. Like yeah. he's he's oh, memorized yeah. those lines. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I don't call him Dean Lerner for nothing. Yeah, yeah. And- Dean Lerner, Dean Lerner does everything word perfect. Mm. And no. it, there is something to there is a serialized aspect to this show's mm. six episodes, and mm-hmm. you can see the show get slightly better by the end. Mm-hmm. Like there mm-hmm. are better techniques and better camera angles and better performances in a way that's like genuinely kind of exciting. The other thing about this episode uh, that I just wanted to point out, mm-hmm. Graham Linehan shows up and yeah. boy was yeah. it weird to see him again. Yeah, he's very, you know, he's very funny. He's a very mm. funny guy. Mm. Well, this is the thing. Not right? at I mean, all insane. For, yeah. for British people, I mean, for years... Graham Linehan was just a sort of like a uh, lovable comedy writer right. guy. Right, it's a scam. Yeah, it's only in the last few years where he went completely insane. I mean, prior to that, there was no indication that he was a weird guy. Right, 
just this is talk about like life imitating art or whatever where like mm-hmm. dark place is a show about a very weird guy who is done in by his own neuroses and mm. that also has now ended up happening with Graham himself I mean yes I don't know what the fuck has happened to him but it's like even you look at him physically and he looks so much weirder now than he did back then like it's mm. like the transphobia yeah. is like a virus that has also had physical deleterious effects on his own body or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, yeah. I love that like JK Rowling does the most like face tuned Callista Gingrich ass pictures of herself, yeah. Yeah. like for her profile pictures. And then you see her in real life and it's like, wow, she, she doesn't look like that anymore. <laughs> like time has passed. Yeah. yeah. Callista yeah. Gingrich, the most problematic hear me out of all. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. No. Jeez. No, come on now. No. 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 I, just, no. I love saying that to get a reaction. <laughs> it's so fun. Uh, because, I mean, I understand getting to her if you want to just get to Newt. There, there, there we go. That's then, your then, hear like, me that out makes sense. Newt. Yeah. yeah. Newt. Yeah. Newt, Newt is not a hear me out. Come on. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who Famously, man that man has me. dipped that dick in so many holes. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh. Does he, does he, he's like Boris Johnson. Like He's not outwardly attractive, but he has a vibe. You know, mm, yeah. Women find him irresistible. You know, once that, man is, that, that man is just fucking dropping dick off on the rig. Get in, what, get what, in that what? Newt Gingrich. What? What? Get in all up in that Gingrich. <laughs> what, 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 what are the reports of Boris Johnson's sex life that, 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 that oh, are out wild. there? Oh, he, he has, has so many children. He has more children than Nick Cannon. Uh, he's a big shagger and always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's something about Boris Johnson, you know, a certain kind of woman, they can't, they can't resist the bojo, the big man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's his hair. It's just so, you know, immaculate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just imagine a man like this getting down in pussy. It's bloody good stuff. You know, it's quite <laughs> absolutely spitting. <laughs> you know, incredible. With laugh. But it was it was interesting too where like like Linehan sort of was positioning himself in the same way that everyone was around Brexit and Trump getting elected and everything mm-hmm. as like an advocate. You know, he put it in his his bio that he's an immigrant and and he would always sort of champion these these like mm-hmm. liberal causes. And it was in the same way that Rowling was doing at this time, too. And then right. on that path, just realized that there was nothing left in his life for him but to mm. hate trans people more than anything on earth. Yeah. Right. Nothing mattered anymore. His his mm. own writing, his 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 legacy, his father Ted musical, his marriage, his family, it was all like totally consumed by like you said this this thing that he turned into a personal neurosis. It yeah. is the it is the madness rune of political tendencies. It's the <laughs> one that sends people the most mad. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. it's because it is it is a liberal thing and I think that most mm-hmm. of the people in it's not something that the right overall are particularly interested in because it's such a like they're, they're, they're much bigger picture. Like, transphobia is mm. too specific for the right because they don't want women to have rights either. So whether yeah. or not some people want to be women or whatever, that's not really interesting to them. They're like, fine, we're, <laughs> we're not giving women rights anyway. So right. that's not a problem for us, whether some other people want to get in on women's rights. And so it, it is this weird sliver of people who are kind of prone to transphobia where it's kind of like, yeah, yeah like or particularly in, like, the UK, it's like, yeah, like, mm. you're kind of, like, old school feminist talking heads right yeah uh, i, I mean I, I, it's interesting because it's yeah. such a split from the u.s right because yeah, like right, right. the u.s it's it's firmly in the republican project 
And right, now yeah. we have, you know, fucking dipshit columnists trying to make it yeah. a liberal thing. There's as a well, handful but of in, shitty Democrats, but like it is it is firmly on the conservative side of things. Yeah. And, and the, yes. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, the, the conservatives in the UK are very uh, on the whole, there's quite a strong liberal Mm. Tradition. I mean, they're, they're, don't get me wrong. Mm. There are certainly mm-hmm. transphobes in the Conservative Party, and it's right. definitely like making its way into Conservative policy. But you, you quite often meet surprising allies on even the right of the Conservative Party, just mm. because they are like diehard liberals. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, you want to wear a dress? That's no business of mine. As uh, long as like, as like, long as taxes are like low, liber- like, libertarian, you mean? Yeah, like, like yeah. personal yeah, libertarian. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you do get like occasionally you'll find yourself, uh, you know, fighting on the same side as yeah. Jacob Rees-Mogg, and it is Jeez. it is whiplash. But you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and it tends to be like there's more of a problem, I think, with like uh, transphobia, particularly being a bugbear in the Labour Party at the moment. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um, anyway, this is off topic. Yeah, but, well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's off topic in a way, no, but it's, 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 it's pertinent to this episode because yeah. seeing Graham, like, appear is kind of an interesting jump scare. It was, uh, I was going to say the same thing. It's kind of a jump scare. It's like, what? Well, he gets the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, he's nothing. Mm-hmm. He's not he's the nothing. most memorable. He's no Stephen Merchant, but, uh, no, you know. No, 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 no. This episode is basically, uh, I, there's a big shootout at the end, but yeah. I mean, we can kind of, I think we yeah, can kind of yada, yada, yada. Yeah, the, the eye child bites down on Garth's hand and he brutally murders <laughs> it by like repeatedly slamming it into, the wall, slamming it into yeah. a wall in a sink and all that shit. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Next episode is uh, The Apes of Wrath. <laughs> Mm. This is the, the episode. mighty Boosh is here. Yeah, this, this is this is another sort of purely silly one. Yes, we mm. have we have people drinking contaminated water. Very obviously, yep. this this also kind of feels yeah. like watching a, an eighties or nineties Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're drinking like Mountain Dew. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 glowing phosphorescent green water. Yeah, this results in Sanchez turning into an ape, uh, as well as Liz. But yeah, they they've got to figure out how to cure the ape disease. Also, I mean, there are a couple of things i think for the grander like meta narrative sure good sure that are good mm. to find out in this episode one of them is that uh dean lerner punched a kid <laughs> yes, while on yes, set yes. because yeah, the we kid see, talked bad we about see his Garth's an writing. identical scene to that previous like pediatric wing scene uh except the kid is actually sick this time mm-hmm. and it's a scene that is again garth Marenghi showing how great rick daglas is in a right. way to say look at how great i garth Marenghi am yes and then it right. immediately cuts away to Dean Lerner saying that he assaulted this child on set. <laughs> I know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. There we go. Okay? What I was asking in that scene is, what if politicians continue to pay doctors peanuts, could they literally turn into monkeys? And no one's asked that before. Garth Marenghi is a staunch defender of the NHS. Yeah. And you know he what? Is, yeah. Good for Comrade him. Comrade over here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. forever. Well, and this 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 comes back to a question too, and we we sort of have been talking about this a bit. Like, do you think that Garth Marenghi's character is supposed to be any sort of like uh, is supposed to be making any kind of a real political statement, or do you think it's just like mm. it's funny to have a little grab bag of ideas for the sake of the joke? Are they trying to make a bigger point here about politics, or not really? Uh, I think yeah, I think you have to see it as. A, like a cultural criticism product and not sure. a political one i think i think yeah. but, and also because it was it was in that period in britain where like the politics wasn't very 
I don't know. It, it just, the politics wasn't interesting then. Right. Was you it know, Blair? In, was Blair still? In mid, yeah, yeah, this is mid new Labour, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Blair was in until 2007 and Labour were in until 2010. Right. Mm. So, yeah, 2003, 2004 is kind of like the... I mean, well, I mean, on the left, you wouldn't necessarily say everything was fine in Britain, but everything was a lot more okay than it is now. There was there was just less, there was a lot less political unrest and tension in the country as a whole. Yeah. Is there anything particular with this ape shit, or is it, again, just like a motif that's kind of funny, and we can make Planet of the Apes references? I think it's just weird, yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. that, it's it's the show is so surrealist throughout, and that's kind of so much of the stuff that yeah. comes up, you're just like, what? Yeah. And I think also it's, it's Garth trying to draw attention to how clever he is, because he He's always coming up with the scenario whereby Rick Daglas doesn't drink water. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, oh, I'm about to drink water. Oh, that's someone else's water. Okay, yeah. Right. Ooh, ooh, I'm not going to touch the water. No, no, not this time. And he and and he's going through this thinking, I'm brilliant. People yeah. don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm fucking, I'm nailing this right now. Right. Milo, I had a question about uh, Matthew Holmes's oh, yeah. sort of yeah, like image in in the UK outside of Garth right. Marenghi. Like, is he somebody who tours a lot for like stand up comedy? Like, what 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 is his placement in sort of uh, comedy in the UK? Little is known about Matthew Holmes. Um, I mean, it's, it's sort of semi semi joking, but mm. like, I mean, other than uh, this, and he's had bit parts and a few other things. I, I, he's just not someone you come across. Very often, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he's he's pretty reclusive. He's not super high profile. Yeah, yeah. because like Richard Ayoade, you know, he's going on all the panel shows all the time. You know, he does uh, Big Fat Quiz of the uh, Year and all that. Yeah, I mean, and even he these days is much less. But I mean, he had he was in more stuff. I mean, he was in the IT crowd right. after this another yeah, another right. Linehan uh, production, um, right, right, which right. was very very popular. And then you know he's moved into kind of film and stuff. But even actually Ayoade these days is is less in the public eye than he used to be. Hmm. He did a he did a travel show for a bit. I'm not sure if that's still on. Mm. But th- th- there's a sort of there's a tradition of that in British comedy like guys who make a great comedy thing and then they just kind of like disappear if or live on the fringes. If only that could have years. been Ricky Gervais. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, if only yeah, Gervais yeah, had yeah. followed suit. Well, um, there's a great British comedian Pierre Novelli who uh well, I can't remember if this was a bit on stage. I think it was just something he said on a podcast I was on with him once where he was just like, you know, um the thing is that comedians who are raised on the thin gruel of British public approval if they go to America and they start consuming the heady broth of American audiences it just turns them insane like yeah it's what, it, like happened, it's what it happened to James Corden yeah um, it happened to Gervais it happened to Corden you know they just go over there and people just tell them they're great for ages because that's the particularly on the west coast like I found I, I did some mm. um, comedy shows on the west coast ages ago oh, yeah. and like the extent to which like people are just oh those guys will gas you up yeah 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 because I was they're, watching they're just like, so stoked that you're killing it well being being backstage at a gig and watching someone go up with like no material who sucks and crush now in the UK that's a very bad sign that means the room is bad Mm -hmm. the people in the room have no taste they're laughing at dog shit you're probably Mm -hmm. not going to do well but in like fucking California you just do even better they're just like we thought that guy was good this guy's awesome like Mm -hmm. it's just like it's like moon gravity for comedy like I've never seen anything like it and that is a very California thing I mean you try to 
go up and do pull that off in Chicago or New York, you're mm. not going to have that experience. Yeah, different but, different energy for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of, of people who are do not shy away from the limelight, mm. limelight mm. Uh, Noah Fielding is uh, plays the big bad of the episode. Oh my god! Yeah, they, this they, they put is Noel so in a fucking full dumb monkey suit. <laughs> oh, did I say Noah? I'm so sorry. You did Noel. say Noah. I'm Noel gonna, Fielding. Yeah. Yes. Noel and, and Fielding. He's, and he's I'm so populated sorry. his arc with just of mm. two of every kind of ape. Yeah, it's just all ah, it it's is. all apes. It's 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 like a yacht club, really. It's yeah. like an, yeah, a yeah, yacht yeah, club yeah, of yeah. apes. Mm. Yeah, would yeah, you yeah. say would you say that all of his apes have returned in this yes. situation? Yeah. They mm. would be pretty they'd be pretty bored all on that. Yeah. Oh my they god, would. they have yeah. slurp mm. juice. The yeah. apes have slurp mm. juice in this episode. That's confirmed. Mm. That's confirmed. Yeah. It's green. And you, yeah. Here's the thing. Shit. <laughs> still don't realize this. You can mm. use I multiple know. slurp juices on I a know. single I ape. I know. I know. Okay. What, I just get it through your fucking head already. Is that that tweet precipitated the crypto crash? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if I literally the multiple slurp juice on a single ape, that was a Twitter meme for 24 hours, and then the bottom fell out of the entire thing. It was as though that... That tweet suddenly was like the trigger phrase that like Ugh. snapped everyone in the financial markets out of their madness, right, and they right. were like, "Fuck, we've all paid millions of dollars for pictures of apes. We need to offload all of this shit onto idiots as quickly as possible." I, I and I remember too that I that's actually went, what happened in 1929 as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. went on Trash Future of last year, mm-hmm. almost exactly to a year ago, because I distinctly remember that slurp juice jokes were the thing that everybody mm-hmm. was doing in that exact mm-hmm. moment. We talked about Pope NFTs. Um, yeah. I remember this distinctly. Mm-hmm. But I think I think it was really important that that guy paid for Dana Snyder to read it on Cameo. Yes. Like, definitely. I think that that's definitely. a huge part of this. Yep. Otherwise, yeah, we could yeah, still yeah, be yeah. in this. There's hell. a point in this episode that um, they just green screen uh, a bicycle chase. I, I do yeah. love the part of the chase where he's just running through the exact same two rows of boxes over mm-hmm. and over again, and they start putting up mirrors to make it look like there are other hallways. Yes, but this yeah. this 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 one keeps going. Yeah, it it mm. it's really a lot. It's yeah. it's it's that line Full of like, obstacle course. I mean, it, it it does have a sort of rake effect, right? Yes, Where yes, like it you're comes like, back oh, around. okay, okay, yeah, sure, yeah. I'm I'm back on the I'm back on the board ape yacht. But the biggest development we get here is at the end, which is that Madeline is actually presumed dead. The actor yes. who plays Liz is actually just dead. this whole time she yeah, hadn't yeah, been yeah. in any of the interviews, and sure enough, she was probably murdered by Dean Lerner. Uh, he Most absolutely likely, yeah. killed her yeah. and yeah. buried her in the Eastern Block. After after this, we move on to our fifth episode. This we learn a lot about anti-Scottish bigotry this, or, or anti-Scotch mm. bigotry. A- about as they bigotry in general, really. Yeah. Like this yeah. is this yeah. is about a larger issue about any kind of prejudice. Because you know, I could be prejudiced against you, Josh. Mm-hmm. Not even for being Dutch, just mm. for being you. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, I think there's a lot that we can learn. Bigotry can go in all kinds of directions. Absolutely. Uh, this Absolutely. was the first episode of Dark Place that I ever saw. Oh, and okay. it oh, wow! Remains my favorite episode. <sighs> this is this is actually. beautiful. This is this is I think the most Brit vibes. Definitely. Yeah, wow. it, is, Definitely. it is a masterwork. And they do sacrifice. They they make these very conscious sacrifices because this is actually the best shot episode. Mm-hmm. Like there yeah. aren't a lot of like really stupid shots, so they they kind of get rid of some of the uh, the jokes about the incompetence of the production just to lean into the premise. They're like, this premise is so good, we're gonna deliver it as straight as this show can do it. Yes, because it's just so bewilderingly horrible. 
and and funny. And yeah. so mm-hmm. what happens at the beginning of this episode is that there is a very randy nurse who is uh, yes. looking to get lucky outside on the we, moors. We have, we have a, a doctor and a nurse who yeah. are fucking mm-hmm. behind a curtain yep. and they throughout their entire time alive in this episode are fully dubbed by other actors. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's Matt Berry and Alice Lowe just doing these two completely different actors' voices. Well, the thing about Dark Place is that it was a real turning point for me as a writer because up until that point, I've been writing balls-to-the-wall horror. For this, I wanted them to kind of go, ooh. And I think that's one of the great strengths of the programme is that it managed to bridge that gap between, ah, and ooh. <laughs> <laughs> great delivery there. I love that line. So, yeah, the uh, the ghosts of Scottish warriors are trapped in the mists outside yeah. of Dark Place. And, um, and they're, they're, they've they killed the two people having sex, and, right. they're, and they're causing trouble. They're turning people's hair red. They're they're leaving porridge on the ground. It's it's so fun, I think, because it's it's like managing. It, it's sort of it's poking fun at the the like the English Scottish relations right. within the United Kingdom, both in terms of like the silly stereotypes that English people have about Scottish people, but also in terms of like the. The Scottish propensity to become very, very like uh, defensive and like uh, up, right. uptight about about Scottishness as a thing, mm-hmm. and I think it's something that, and it's one of like any of my friends will tell you it's like one of my bugbears. I saw a meme on Twitter the other day that it was like, uh, I, and I'll preface this by saying I like Scottish people and I think Scottish culture is cool. <laughs> but it was like, uh, Some of my best friends are Scottish. The fact. only problem with I think Scottishness within the UK as it operates is that like you know p- sensible English people will admit that the English suck. Like mm-hmm. no, and I th- and I think you know Scotland needs to get to that point. They need to admit that they were doing imperialism with us. It yeah, wasn't being Panama done to them. Yeah, the thing just didn't work out, man. It's just yeah, yeah. the way she blows. They, they <laughs> were not the victims. They were very much in the back of the limo with us. It wasn't the English who were doing this stuff. It was very much all of us and the Welsh. Like there was no, they're like the P- Braveheart was not a documentary. Like, <laughs> that um uh yeah, and so they I, I don't know. Of, I think the Stone of Destiny needs to be repatriated right now. Mm-hmm. It was an insult to see that with the so-called king. Though the one fun fact I think about the filming behind the scenes of Braveheart is that the crafty table was just nothing but coke floats. <laughs> I said, "Well, William Wallace loved a coke float. Yeah. It was, you know, Scotland was the only place where you could make a coke float at the time because it was cold enough that they didn't need, you know, right, refrigeration right. technology. Well, and back then, before Came right out of the cow's teat." Yeah, before mm-hmm. vanilla, you know, for the ice cream, they just flavored yeah. it with woad. Mm. Yeah, you have a blue ice cream. <laughs> That's more of a Michigan thing, I guess. But um, mm. <laughs> we call that a Michigan cork floor. <laughs> At this point, so, Rick reminisces about his time in Scotland. He goes full H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, I was on a budget flight to Norway when a storm hit and forced us to ditch in Glasgow Presswick. I was stranded. And it's so hilly up there, you can't get any signal on your car phone. (laughs) It looked bad. It looked like I was going to have to spend the night in Glasgow. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) The cabin crew suggested we all go out and club it. I had no option. There was that or one of their B&Bs. I figured it'd be safer on the streets. (laughs) For the first time ever, I saw the Scotch in their natural habitat. And it weren't pretty. I'd seen them huddling in stations before being loud, but (laughs) this time I was surrounded. Everywhere I went, it felt like they were watching me. 
fish-white flesh puckered by the highland breeze. <laughs> Tight eyes peering out for fresh meat. Screechy, boo-soaked voices hollering out for a taxi to take them halfway up the road to the next all-night watering hole. A shatter of glass. A round of applause. A 16-year-old mother of three vomiting in an open sewer. <laughs> looking on, chewing on potato cakes. <laughs> I ain't never going back. Not never. Hardly ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a big a big moment for Garth to be like, I am I'm taking my heroic character yeah. and making and giving him this horrible bigotry mm-hmm. that is not at all based on a night that I spent in Glasgow. Right, of course. Not of at course. all, no, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because he but he's like, Yeah, oh yeah, I'm I'm I've had some some bad feelings, but I've worked through them because I'm right. educated. Unlike right. you, you look like a dropout. Mm. You look right. like you're the average British racist. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hitting on something real here. Um, Scotch mist, Sam thought, was fairly racist. I didn't, to be honest. Um, thing is, I play anything, uh, a Nazi, anything at all. I never, I don't think I'd ever kiss another man. Um, you know, not even for the, you know, the big boy. And it has, the comedy in this show has the same effect on me as I Think You Should Leave does, which is, like... It briefly rewires your brain to think Mm. about sentences in an entirely (laughs) different Mm. way. Because the implication there, of course, like not even the big boys is that he is actually sexually attracted to men. Like like there would be a reason for him to want to kiss the big boys, but he he wouldn't, though. Right. That's that's just a line that he has drawn for his career and for himself. Right, right. right. (laughs) Well, I presume what he's saying there is not even... Not even if the big boys were asked, like not even like for a big money role is what he means. Sure, uh, not, like not if Spielberg like, not if like big boys boy, yeah. right. he had to kiss. He means but like you, not even for the big. But boys. But I think yeah. you can yeah. read it that way too. I feel like the mm. ambiguity might be there for a reason. I don't know. It's there's a funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, don't know. I mean, like for the it. big boys is just a funny. It's funny. It's, it's just, just yeah. a yeah. funny yeah. phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I say, there's like a powerful lobby in Hollywood that wants you to kiss men. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like a, also, a bold new wing of the Jewish conspiracy, <laughs> uh, you know, which is not real. I'm just going to, I know there's some people with crazy views out there. I just want to clarify. Yeah, That's Graham, if you're yeah. listening, it's not <laughs> true. Yeah, don't, don't latch onto a new thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't need you to be even more things uh, than you already thing? are. Is there like the conspiracy theory version of like, like charcoal that you could just feed to a conspiracy theorist and it'll just attach everything oh, else yeah. to that and then it'll like remove the toxins from their body and they can yeah, just think about ancient aliens like, or something. Yeah, like the methadone of conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. You yeah. just get them onto a harmless thing like, yeah, like being a Welsh hotep. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the, the moon landing was fake. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, Australia's not real, like mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then then they can stop, you know, doing just weird stuff about trans people and the Jews or whatever. Yeah. And then every be once in a while, everyone. Yeah. every once in a while, there's something that catches on where there, people just believe that there aren't any nukes, and it's like it's so wholesome because like, what do you do with that? You don't do anything. You're just like, oh, okay, there's no more nukes. Right. Like, cool. Great. Everything's fine. No more problems. Mm. All that stuff they're doing about the nukes, just psyops. There's no nukes. Yeah. Uh, it always fizzles out. It kind of comes back every eight or nine years. 
because like the message boards will be like, oh yeah, no nukes. This is how I found out there's no nukes. And then there's nowhere mm. else that you can take that, unfortunately. We need to find some way to like give the math problems to do, like flatter. Mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm, the yeah. Nephilim. Maybe, 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 maybe it's fine that people are just believing yeah. that there's actual giants on mountaintops. Why not? And if you try to convince them that it's not, you know, the Jews or the transes. <laughs> well, then, those then... those are the big boys that we were discussing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, there we go. I wouldn't even kiss a Nephilim. Nephilim no matter what yeah. happens. There you go. <laughs> so the mist. No matter how many eyes they have. <laughs> uh, that might be a bit close for comfort, though, because aren't the mm. Nephilim sort of Jewish giants? They are Jewish, they are, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, we're getting how, into how dangerous we, territory yeah. again. Can we do Scotch Nephilim? Can we make the Nephilim <laughs> Mormon somehow? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and that's that actually on that Mormon front, like the Scotch Mist is also kind of playing on a classic Stephen King premise, right? Mm-hmm. Which is right. the... Mm. Uh, Ancient Indian burial ground, right? Right, the, right, the, right, 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 right. The, the, yeah, the yeah. sins of the our colonialism. I really, yeah. <laughs> I want to deal with with the guilt of our bigotry towards these people by right. still being weirdly racist, like in Dreamcatcher. Well, the uh, way uh, the way that the yeah. uh, the My Scottish favorite Stephen King novel, <laughs> yeah. the way that the Scottish people are portrayed in this is very silly. Like they they, they yeah. have long, uh, you know, they they're red red hair. They're all wearing fucking kilts and holding bagpipes yeah. and shit like that. I mean, again, talking about a kind of like an, the American references in this, mm-hmm. it's a very it's a very Hollywood. It's it's yeah. the movie Braveheart. Yeah, imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Scottish people. People, yeah. uh, which which bafflingly made its way into a kind of modern Scottish consciousness <laughs> for some people. Yeah, um, sure. That's, but, that's uh, the power and allure of nationalism. It doesn't matter yeah. where it comes from, it seems. That's true. Yeah. That's what's, true. what's beautiful about this, I think, is it's taking this very silly, because it's like even like something like the word Scotch, like it's not, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, a, it, it is, it's not the preferred term. Right. Like people right, would say, right. Scottish people would say Scottish, and Scotch is this kind of like old timey. Um, and and I think I, you know Scottish people would bristle a bit if you refer to them as Scotch. But it's it's mm-hmm. all like so low stakes. Like it's so mm-hmm. funny to be like doing this where it's kind of like oh like imagine if there was a slur for Scottish people. Mm-hmm. You know this kind of like yeah. funny. Like I right, love right. this as a way of like just lampooning prejudice by just taking yeah. such a silly example. It's like when Nate Bethea came on our show to listen to episodes of Adventures and Odyssey, and they came <laughs> yes. up with a slur for people from cities yeah. on the mm. show. They referred to them as sitters. <laughs> And it so is. they made a big point about like urban rural dynamics and the way and it was like, oh, yeah, what if people from like a, a town where there's like 500 people were really prejudiced against people who were from cities? Wouldn't yeah. that be just like racism? And it's doing the same thing here, just in right, a different right, way. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. In, uh, in Man to Man with Dean Lerner, the first episode, he interviews Garth Marenghi mm. Mm. and Marenghi has just finished a, a movie where he plays a a bug scientist whose last name is also Daglas. Hell yeah. But he is fighting against an army of wasp human hybrids that have been <laughs> created by the Dutch, which he believes is yeah, actually sure. happening the in yes, the Netherlands sir. because in 10 years the Dutch will go to war with England. Okay. And it's like, yeah, the and and now now he's based. Like that mm. that is 100% true. Well, also, wasps killed his beloved dog, Skipper. Exactly. Right, of course, and, yes. And why do you think those wasps mm. even found his dog? The Dutch. Mm. Mm. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, feel like, I feel like Garth Marenghi went to go see uh, A Little Life and was just like, <laughs> fuck the Dutch forever. Rick <laughs> does end up facing off with the red-headed ghosts of the mist, mm. and he yeah. uh, offers them a shortbread, which... 
uh, I don't quite get this joke. I'm assuming there's uh, it's something a, it's going on. It's a Scottish here. biscuit, yeah. shortbread. It's a very like, uh, yeah, it's a tourist thing. But is there yeah. anything beyond that? Shortbread with salt. It's just Man, like, I offer you this shortbread. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, because and then then the salt is just like it's like it's like nonsense. But I mean, again, it's like a. Uh, I, I guess it would be an internal stereotype in the UK that like Scottish people eat bad food Got and it. They, okay. they eat badly, and so like the idea of like. <laughs> the Scottish putting salt on a sweet biscuit is just like right. f- funny. As right, right, like, right, right, obviously right. they wouldn't do that, but it's the kind of yeah. I think it's it's loosely playing on that, but it's partly just surrealist. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. then yeah, uh, as a result of that, Rick uh, is is given a bagpipe and kilt in return. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm. that's the gift that he receives from the Scottish ghosts. We have yeah, a lot can... of a lot of episodes that end, or maybe it's all the episodes. End all with of the Daglas episodes end with on him on the roof, roof yep. of the hospital. He's yep. alone. You know, he always steps aside, steps away from everyone else, and gets his moment of solitude where he you you know uh uh, contemplates things yeah and Mm. so here they just do this is the end of the inner light the star trek next generation episode where picard gets that little flute right he's just doing that but garth merengue is standing on the roof playing Playing the bagpipes embracing his Mm. his inner scotch man uh, there's a fifty percent chance for a Scotchman and an Englishman to get along if they meet. That's that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I learned from been. this episode. There's so much like petty nationalism and stuff that goes mm-hmm. on, but like actually, our cultures are incredibly similar because we've been like one country for a really for a really long time, and like sure. the, you know, there's sort of like there are there are more there are much more similarities than there are than there are differences. I mean, I like I go I go to Scotland every year for the Edinburgh Festival. I always have mm-hmm. a, I always have a good time. Um, as oh, yeah. funny as funny as I do find Scottish nationalism as a political tendency, but overall, like Scotland is a place, super fun, nice people. You know, it's a it's a it's a fun culture. I think like the Scottish humour is pretty. Uh, like, yeah, I don't know if you you guys have ever waded into Scottish Twitter as a phenomenon, but oh whole, yeah, like, yeah, for sure. You know, was I <laughs> was it was it McDonald's ordered four cokes? The lady says, "Do you need a cup holder?" I say, "I do. I'm an octopus." Like, <laughs> you know, we've solved a lot of problems now. Uh, Garth, you know, has let us know about these solutions. There's one last problem that we have yet to solve, though. Mm. And that is the problem of uh, people who turn into vegetables and love also. The Uh, agonizing fear of being known. Yes. Uh, Episode Mm. six uh, deals with uh, a woman uh, who Sanj, uh, Matt Berry, falls in Mm. love with. This is a woman who has encountered some green air (laughs) and uh, Mm. it's 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 turning her slowly but surely into broccoli. This um, episode is called the, the Creeping Moss from the Shores of Shugoth. Yes. And uh, they're all driving in the car. They're mm. talking about what food they want to get. And we get this interaction. What are you doing for dinner tonight, Liz? Oh, um, nothing really. Why are you asking me out? No, no, no. Just trying to get some recipe ideas. Finding food a real bore at the moment. What I do is sometimes get a tin of soup, yeah. heat it up, poach an egg in it, serve that with a pork pie sausage roll. I'll get a wimpy. You're cold, Dak. <laughs> There's so many things going on here. Yeah, can you help me out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, help us break this down as as three Americans, please translate yeah, this for us. I mean, okay, so like they're just the dynamic between like you know her, her obviously being excited the idea that he's going to ask her out, right. and him being oh, like, that's no, great. I'm just yeah. after recipe ideas, beautiful, um, mm-hmm. and then. 
and then like just Sanchez being a weird guy, right? Soup poaching an egg in it. We're all fine. I mean, it's weird, but we all understand what it means there. What's yeah. even better is their callback later where he preps that he for it, the broccoli yeah. lady. Oh, it's right, fucking yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. It's very funny that he says, serve it with a pork pie sausage roll. <laughs> so a pork pie and a sausage roll are both kind of uh, well-known British snack mm-hmm. foods. You can buy them in Greg's or whatever. Sure. But there's no right. such thing as a pork pie sausage roll. Got it. It's just like a weird, oh. like, yeah, just running. Is it like, I, I think so much of this show consists in just people talking slightly weird. Yes. Like, you <laughs> yeah. can serve it with a pork pie and a sausage roll, mm-hmm. but for some reason he says a pork pie sausage roll. Um, <laughs> and then the beautiful line of, I'll get a wimpy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Josh and I were talking about Wimpy yesterday. Yeah, we, we really did a deep dive into this. Yeah, it okay, is yeah. actually an American burger chain, but it's yeah, it's only really survived in the UK and South Africa. Weirdly, when those are the two places where your thing is going on, you know, there's nothing untoward happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> is Wimpy named after the Popeyes character? Is sure that right? is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, but they they don't they don't offer credit. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's it's and it's still around in the UK. I mean, there's not many of them, but it's like a kind of weirdly old school burger place. Like they used to give you like china plates and stuff. Um, oh wow! Wow! Okay. What? But it's kind of like McDonald's-y vibes quality-wise, but it's just, yeah, it's mm. very strange. Like, it's the kind of thing, like, where they'd have, they had one on by our old studio in Whitechapel, which is on, like, a really shitty market, like, uh, it's like between all these, like, tat shops and there's just a wimpy burger there. They had one in the bowling alley of mm. the shit town in Essex where I grew up. Uh, mm. Yeah, and it's just, it's just such a, I think something which this show and some other British comedies do really well is picking a perfect point of reference that's just so like yeah he could have said anything he could have said i'll get i'll get a mcdonald's or whatever but like there's something so funny about getting a wimpy right as the first like like there's something about the rick daglas his first port of call if he doesn't know what to eat is he'll get a wimpy well and it tells us yet another thing about garth marenghi too and who (laughs) he is right it it strikes me that it would be like a carl's jr being like your go-to burger yeah yeah i think it's like like mcdonald's yeah that that's wonderful. Uh, so many layers here. The, the thing that really struck me about this episode is that Garth Marenghi being such a uh, narcissist that the final episode of the series would be given not really to him, but to Lucien Sanchez, like to, mm-hmm. to a side character is the one who gets to experience this great tragedy mm-hmm. of love. And it essentially creates what I think is a backdoor pilot for Toast of London, because mm. it follows the structure of Toast of London to the point that where even Matt Berry gets a song. This is this is a very yes. Matt Berry episode because it also yes. feels a lot mm-hmm. like. It's not quite as as stream of consciousness, but it's like Snuffbox, where he like has a song every single episode, right? And so we we get one of these very. It, it starts. It's this is a an homage to like Miami Vice, right? Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. sort of the mm-hmm. brooding close up of him as the car is driving along, uh, perfectly stationary in a yep. black curtained void, uh-huh. and then we end up in this like music video bar. It's great. With Dean Lerner as the bartender, and it feels like he's trying to get into like publishing music as well. Like it's like right. his idea of diversifying well, this, his portfolio. This song is so good. Yeah, we've got yeah. the clip. Let's just play it. Why won't she be mine? <laughs> I wish I was more attractive like Douglas. Still, one can only dream. I'm a one track lover. Two-way lane Driving fast 
That rap is very um, Pet Shop Boys, isn't it? It's it's kind of yeah, 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 West End yeah, Girls, yeah, that kind of thing, yeah, right? Definitely. I mean that 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 song. I mean, again, it, it meets it meets my test for musical comedy, which mm-hmm. is it kind of goes. You know, oh, it, it totally goes. Oh hell yeah, yeah. It's got something to it, and then it's got it. It's got that very strong like '80s like power ballad type pastiche going on there. The vanilla ice kind of rap segment, mm-hmm. perfect. Um, so, so otherwise, like what goes on in this episode is the plot of Troll Two. You just mm-hmm. have people turning into vegetation. This yep. woman is is mm. slowly becoming broccoli. The uh, the broccoli is an analogy for AIDS. Uh, that is yeah. made explicit. Yeah, Doctor yeah. Sanchez decides that it's worth it, and he's going to have sex with her. Right, and and he hides it from everyone else. Um. Rick and Sanchez get in a fight. Uh, it's yeah. there's a great little visual gag there where they cut the same shot of them going to the fight st- three straight times from three different yeah. angles. <laughs> it's all dubbed uh-huh. over really mm. poorly. Uh, at the end of the day, what happens is that Rick realizes that they need to boil the lady because you know yeah. again she's broccoli. She does mm. end up dying. She perishes. Sanchez has his moment and. Uh, in a nice little callback, Stephen Merchant, the chef, shows up to cart her body away yeah. because they're going to, you know, use the broccoli. And then yeah. they have to cut off Dr. Sanchez's penis, which is why this episode is not about Garth Marenghi. Garth Marenghi would not have his penis cut off. Right. right. So right. the important right. thing here is that someone has. <laughs> and as I said, I mentioned this uh, earlier on. This is the section that they get to where they lost the reel of film. Right. Uh, in a very illuminating and hilarious bit of interview dialogue with with Dean Lerner where he reveals uh, what happened and he's like partly just reading from a cue card and expressing Mm -hmm. his regrets at what happened to the film. Yeah. And uh, as Linda breathed her last green breath, the cloud disappeared, much like the Scotch mist did last week. Is a direct <laughs> quote here. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. You know, mm. at the end, um, after the big final salute from Rick, Garth says, with this show, I wanted to make people laugh and cry and shit themselves at the same time. And he also says, as a horror writer, I don't hope for much. I just hope I've changed the way you think about life. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's oh, Dark Oh, and place. speaking of Dreamcatcher, there is a Dreamcatcher in this episode. That's true. Yeah. Or at least something they call a Dreamcatcher, except it's, it's a just fucking a wind Which Dreamcatchers yeah. are not at all. They're, they hang flat on the wall. Yeah, so that, that wraps up the show. Yeah, Matthew Holness has been mm. uh, publishing more work as Garth Marenghi. He's mm. got another book coming out in October. He's going to be a, doing a two, uh, book tour as Garth in November across the UK. Mm. So we might see more Garth Marenghi soon. You know, was it of its time? Was it ahead of its time? Uh, what can we take away from this? And I guess looking at Dark Place as a whole, what do we find here that's interesting, that jumps out, that maybe 
gives us something that we can take away beyond just a lot of laughs, which it has that too. I mean, I think ahead of its time or not is an interesting question because yeah. comedy shows, particularly on British TV, got so much worse after this. Mm. It, sort of Calling it ahead of its time would almost be like an insult. Right. Because it, it yeah it it's so it's so sui generis and it's so its own thing right. that it kind of sits outside I think like the stylistics of I I think it hasn't dated I think that would be something you could sure. say about it mm-hmm. it feels other than perhaps some of the production values and stuff right. it it feels like a modern like you could make it today and people wouldn't be like this feels like a weird show from twenty right. years ago like it has yeah. that because because it's it has that timeless it, it's satirizing a particular thing which is still well yeah. known in the culture mm-hmm. and so on um, yeah and I think it's also it's a relic of a time when. British TV channels would invest money in making weird avant-garde yeah, stuff, yeah, which they just don't do anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, to um, pick right. something up from the Fringe Festival and give it this kind of treatment where it, it, it really is just so holistically delivered yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is unimaginable in the United States, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to <laughs> I mean, think that there is was any point where this happened ever anywhere yeah. is, is, or it, is, it is happens yeah, inspiring. in the UK still, but in, in a, just in a bad way. Like, mm-hmm. they'll pick stuff up from the Fringe Festival, but it'll be something shit. And it'll be yeah. something that's, like, derivative of... Because it, now it's all about, like, uh, you know, what's going to be the new Fleabag? Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And that, <laughs> I think that was, yeah. that was sort of, like, the last successful one that I that comes to mind mm. for me at least when no it comes one will to take a risk on anything anymore do anything interesting it's all like every every new show has to be like a carbon copy of a successful show that's already happened and I don't yeah. think yeah. that's yeah. unique to British television either yeah. I mean this is just a problem in the industry more broadly especially now yeah. with the writer's strike going on yeah. the uh, AI, yeah. are in charge yeah. yeah I mean well that's what they want they want carbon copies right, right. because writers they getting want... stuffed into small rooms where there's not much money to lose on paying them in the first place to just right. put out some other thing that people will watch while their eyes glaze over and not something that's going to make people stand up and go, oh, shit, I like that. I want derivatives of that new thing. You yeah. know? Uh, Milo, thank you so much for coming on, spending a lot of time with us to talk it's about a great a show. Um, great to reminisce about Dark Yeah, place. you know, reminiscences, things place. of that nature. Um, if folks want more of you... Where can they find it? If you want to be buddies, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm on. I'm on Twitter's my big one. I'm on Twitter at Milo underscore Edwards. I'm on Instagram at the same. If you're an Instagram person, uh, uh, I do a, a host of podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. Trash Future, uh, which is a kind of comedy podcast about like politics and tech and the future, and uh, Masters of Our Domain, which is a comedy show about Seinfeld. No Seinfeld knowledge required. Genuinely, the extent to which we just discuss Seinfeld is grossly exaggerated <laughs> yeah. by the premise of the podcast. Um, yeah, Josh has been on both. That's true. Um, and also I have a I have a stand-up comedy special out on YouTube. Uh, it's called Pindos. If you put in Milo Edwards Pindos, you can check that out. It's all about uh, the three years that I spent in Russia. It was funny. I watched your comedy special and then as literally the second it ended, I got a DM from you saying, hey, I heard you wanted to come on Masters of Our Domain. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he knows. Um, no, but it, it's really really lovely um the the final the final image of not i'm not going to spoil but the final image of that stand-up special is so fucking good and uh <laughs> and maybe a belly laugh and it also you're just such an excellent storyteller like it, it is really just a wonderful wonderful watch so please go 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 get thee to youtube yes mm. and 
and watch the great Milo Edwards. Um, yeah, so check out all of the links in our description. There will be links to Milo's shit. There will be links to our exciting new t-shirts. We're making t-shirts. You can buy our t-shirts. Buy our Yay. shirts. Do it. Oh, yeah. And also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash worst of all. $5 a month gets you access to our bonus episodes. $10 a month gets you access to the unscripted monthly lads cast where we shoot the shit about what's ever on our mind. Now we've done the plugs. AJ. At the end of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, the champion of the show, Dean Lerner, the man who we have seen scream exposition down the barrel of the camera for the last two and a half so hours that the series runs, uh, gives his final, it's not even an impassioned plea, it is just a statement of fact in his brain. Garth's place in history is assured. His place in history is assured. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. See you next week.